always awkward. Hey, hey, hey. hey guys, this is Kickstand. That is Biker Mike from Mars. What's we going on? Have got Will back in the studio with us today. It's been too long. Hi everyone. Yeah, we, to be here. and we need to try and figure out how to rekindle the conversation we were just yeah. having because we awkwardly, <laughs> I, awkwardly and abruptly ended it. To that was me. That was all me because <laughs> I, I do want to talk about uh, movies and I love movies because I watch so many of them. So, so let me let me know about let me know about Glass Onion. You were you're starting to. Well, oh, the thing is, I can't that. even talk a lot, whole lot about it because you guys haven't seen it, and I don't want to ruin it. It's a lot of fun. I would just do it. Just. Okay, the, the the main you're, you're character not hurt my, in it, my feelings. The one of the main character played by I think it's Edward Norton. Yeah, uh, he <laughs> he is an Elon Musk esque character, mm-hmm. and they're playing it up quite a bit. Except I I, I think it is a, a, a deliberate jab at him Wouldn't while simultaneously uh, a misrepresentation. It's like oh no. It, it, they're they're trying to say he's a lot dumber than everyone else gives him credit for. But I can see that. <laughs> if, it, if it's meant to satirize him, I, I can see that. <laughs> oh yeah, and, but it's a, it's a lot of fun, and it's it's a fun movie. The the whole uh, what is it? What are they called? <sighs> the Glass Onion series. What the Knives f- Out? Yeah, the Knives Out series. They're so fun. They're so good. They're like if you're just looking for a fun movie that you're not gonna you're not looking for a huge message. It's gonna have some every fucking yeah. movie nowadays yeah. has a message. Even. Uh, what Adam Sandler movies always got to have that heart f- or Seth Rogen's so worse for it. It's like, oh, we're fr- we were friends, then we weren't friends, but now we're going to have a heartfelt <laughs> moment to be friends again. Shut the fuck up. I hate movies about, nowadays. It's not, They're not about not what funny. happened. It's about the weed we smoked along the way. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but in, in some way, though, like, you know those are coming. You almost just got to, like, play it up like 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 a South Park episode, right? Like, at the end, they always have to have... Like, that that heartfelt of... moment. It's like, oh, Although what I, I learned today... They, so don't, we... they don't do it so much anymore. No, at this point, I think South Park lampoons themselves with that. Yeah. yeah. They, like, start to have a heartfelt moment, then someone will die, or, or, or yeah, there'll be some it. sort of uh, subversion of it. Yeah, I, I think they're aware of it, and they're like, nah, we're going to fuck with everybody. Like, make you want it, and then they take it away, which I yeah. love. But I I miss the movies that were they weren't a million laughs a minute because I've watched some older stuff. You ever watch uh, Tommy Boy? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I love Tommy Boy. Great movie. If you watch it again, it is not a million laughs a minute. No. Where you watch movies today, they're one liner after one. Like this is very yeah. good. It's, it's going but for it's cheap. Just... It's going for cheap laughs, right? Mm-hmm. They're not. They're not earning the laugh because you love the characters and are invested in what they're in and they catch you off guard or yeah. Happy Gilmore is a great one. Again, it, yeah. it's not hundred. It's not constant. It's just really good. And there are so many movies that were that you can never make today. Like they, the best movies you can never make. Yeah, again. not not for political or or reasons or anything. It just the pacing wouldn't appeal today's audience. Yeah. yeah, I feel like a lot of the best comedies we've had lately have been not comedies. Like Get Out. Get Out was a horror movie ostensibly, but yeah. It was also really funny. Did you see the death of Stalin? No, but I've heard great things about Fucking it. Fucking gold. Yeah. I loved it. It things was like that. Which, like, weird was, genre was that, pieces. Was that the one? Uh, oh, Frank, which one is it? It's I the f- one about the death of Stalin. <laughs> It well, pretty yeah. much was talking about how everyone is biding for his position after the words. Yeah, Dude. yeah, okay. You know, I have seen that one. I just wasn't, I didn't remember the name, and I was like, I don't know how long ago that came out. Or like, apparently the yeah, new, uh, like, the the new um, Child's Play or Chucky movie called oh, Megan. Yeah. Apparently yeah. it's also quite funny. Like, it is, it is also kind of a horror movie, but yeah. also funny. 
or um, well, yeah, because horror movies are absurd. I mean, we've they all are. we've all realized now yeah. that they're fucking absurd. And <laughs> the, the menu and that's great and that's movie. funny. Yeah, it ended with a joke. Like it ended with a, a, a giggle, <clears throat> and it, it was great. It was fantastic. Yeah, and and that's why I miss good movies but they mm-hmm. don't get to make them like that anymore and that's why I enjoyed something like Knives Out it was very mm-hmm. funny it had a lot of points and just the way that they built it I'm like ah, oh, this is like just fun I grew up with like Agatha, Agatha Christie novels and everything Murder in the Orient Express Death on the Nile so like Knives Out is is just peak Agatha Christie energy but with yeah. a, a good modern coat of paint yeah they did have uh, what's that uh, Murder She Wrote chick um Angela Lansbury, yeah, she yeah. had a cameo she, in it. She, she had a little cameo yeah, in it. That's I'm great. Like, hey, I'm just happy she's still alive at this point. <laughs> she's dead. God damn it! She what? died. That was her last movie. She no. died like shortly. I'm not lying. God, <laughs> it's like no. <laughs> Crashed his world. We need to drink more. On this. <laughs> you hear it here first, and if you heard it here first, you're not I'm, fucking paying attention. I'm, yeah, I'm not well informed apparently. <laughs> oh, I feel bad for telling you because I'm okay. like the person that I I wouldn't want to hear it from. <laughs> uh, I was I was literally watching Pirates of Penzance yesterday, admiring her, and I was like, "Wow, she's so good." Now she's dead. <laughs> cool. That's what you get for being too good at this. Oh, that is, yeah. Oh, I hope you heard about Betty White. I <laughs> I have heard about okay. Betty White. Yeah. I'm not not as attached to her. She's no, great. Don't get me wrong. She, she was she was very very funny. <laughs> Anyways, uh, what's a great movie? Um, Tropic Thunder. I love Tropic Thunder so much. It's so politically incorrect. It's just, it goes out of its way and you'd never be able to make that again. Mm -hmm. And yet it still has, it still has like valid commentary at the same time while being utterly irreverent. Yeah. Yeah. Another great one, Idiocracy. So good. So good. I mean... Sans some of the undercurrents. There's some, some political undercurrents that I didn't love about that movie oh, that yeah. were like not funny. Yeah. What's what's the word I'm looking for? There was kind of a eugenics undertone that was unspoken. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if that was intentional or accidental, but it's a little. We, well, we don't like eh. we don't like eugenics. We don't like the yeah. idea of it, even though a lot of scientists say that there are character traits that you adopt from your parents, grandparents, great grandparents, yeah. and ancestors. Heck, some scientists are philosophical scientists anyways say that you have no free will you are just a predetermined by your <coughs> ancestral choices yeah. that were pre-made before you yeah kind of so. uh, humble deter- determinism but even even that is more nuanced than just it's like well your parents are dumb so you're dumb yeah exactly mm-hmm. it's, you know that the dumb yeah. people breed faster so there's more dumb people yeah i mean you being a mosaic of dna and characteristics like it's there's so much at play mm-hmm. yeah it, it's it's just ridiculous to bo- to boil it down to something that yeah that's that so absurd. It's, it's nice that a movie like Idiocracy can instill conversations around <laughs> eugenics and determinism, and that we can have those conversations. I think that's fucking amazing. Yeah, the thing is, it allows you to suspend your disbelief of reality and be like, okay, I'm going to put myself into this movie. And I realized something recently. We don't do that. I don't. I'm not saying that we like you guys don't, yeah, yeah. but I, my wife and I, in particular, we don't. In- get completely engaged with the movie anymore why because we're half distracted by our phone we'll grab our phone and we'll go on it during a show mm. we're not 
we're not engaged with the show as much anymore, so I don't care about the characters as much. I don't care yeah. about the movie. And because we're at home, I'm not in a theater. We used to go to theaters and watch movies there. Now they're goddamn expensive. <laughs> you got to pay $100 for a sitter, and you got to yeah. get food and all that other stuff. And if you're going out, you might as well go to Walmart after, because that's what you do as a married person. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's where I like... I, I like I like video games, not more than movies. I still love movies. Yeah. But I find they tend to hold my attention more, like, in a more engrossing fashion. Well, yeah, because yeah. you, you are engrossed in it. Like it, exactly. It takes a really good movie to suck me in now. Yeah. yeah. Oh, with that, time. or it takes one, like, with enough nostalgia. <laughs> yeah. That and, I'm like... <laughs> but now we're also getting games that are have storytelling that is on par with some of the best movies we've ever made. Yeah. Things like the, the, the new... Um, New God of War series. Oh, is it, is it e- good? Even if you don't play it for the game, yeah. the story, like the, the interaction between father and son and, and the healing of generational trauma and all this stuff is such a good and nuanced story. It's yeah. so fantastic. There's no right just being in a video game. Yeah. Well, look at look at the Red Dead Redemption yeah, series. That's exactly. another one that it, it allows you to be part of history or you get I'm in. so out of my depth here. The last game that I played with any kind of real story to it was Call Halo it. was Halo three. <laughs> <laughs> my son just beat Halo. Nice. Yeah, he's like, I got an Xbox 360, and he started playing it, and he's getting not bad. I'm like, all right, cool. Now you're up to Call of Duty. He's 10, and I've got him into Call of Duty. He did the he did the mall mission. I'm like, what? He's like, yeah, I kind of feel bad. I'm like, good. That's the point. That, that's that's good. That's the idea. You don't have to play okay. that level. <laughs> you have to explain to me what's the mall mission. Oh, uh, okay. You um, go undercover. Hey, go ahead. It's you're, called you're no Russian. Excited. The idea is you're playing as an undercover, I think, CIA agent working with these Russian terrorists. Okay. And you're supposed to be a mole in their organization, and you're taking part of this mission. It turns out the mission is you all bail out the back of an armored van at an airport oh, with machine guns. it's not a mole. Guns. It's an airport, sorry. Oh, sorry yeah, yeah, at an airport. And you just mow everyone down. You just butcher civilians. civilians like by the hundreds. Holy and shit. And at the just... end, the leader of the Russians, who knew you were a mole the whole time, shoots you and leaves you for dead as an American on the site and kicks off this whole war. But you get to play it from a first person's perspective and you feel disgusted with yourself after doing oh, yeah, it. Like you it, really it do. makes you just feel gross. And that's the whole point. It's such a good set piece for that. Yeah. For just making you feel just like scum. Because Damn. you know you're trying to do yeah. the right thing, this, you're not this trying is to help. Brilliant. And this it is like is. ten years old, what is it, twelve, thirteen years old now that yeah. that mission? And it has a discretionary thing in the beginning of the game. Mm-hmm. There are some. Do you want to play them? Are you are you okay with it? But like they had their their trigger, mm-hmm. <laughs> warning, trigger warning as it I mean, <laughs> as valid a trigger warning way. as there ever was really. yeah, no at kidding. that time. And so yeah, he he uh, he's young, but at the mm-hmm. same time he he saw it. I'm like, oh okay. That, that's a brilliant way though to use the medium as a way mm-hmm. to communicate story in a way that a movie wouldn't. For yep. for say. Okay, I played that game a few times. Do you know what I realized? Hmm. You can walk through it. You can. You can pacifist run that and just let them shoot the people. You don't have to fire a single bullet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You could, end, but people are like, but I'm here. <laughs> oh, there's so much, there's so much cool psychological science behind that. Yeah. Oh. And the newer one, one of the newer Call of Duties, they do a, a, not quite on the same scale, but they do a thing where you have to like clear this building room by room by room. Yeah. In the middle, like in pitch black. So you're all night vision going in these rooms and some of the rooms will have women that will like fake surrendering and pull a gun mm-hmm. on you. Oh yeah, yeah. And you got to shoot them dead. <laughs> and so you just, you feel awful yeah it puts you in the headspace of people who have to do that for like uh, for a living people who actually have to do that 
yep. clearing buildings room by room and just hoping that the person on the other side of the door isn't going to try to shoot them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Man, woman, or child. It, it's, yeah, as you say, it's such a good use of the medium to just draw a person in. Yeah. And we don't, we don't get that nearly as much nowadays because we're so distracted. We'll, we'll pick up our phone. Mm-hmm. Heck, I, I can play PUBG and watch Seinfeld. I've been watching Seinfeld. <laughs> at the same time. <laughs> at the same time. <laughs> So I'm tired. I, I hear you. Oh. Soup Nazi, Nazi on the left corner. <laughs> Play, playing that while watching Seinfeld seems like the perfect the perfect recipe to turn you into the kind of person that you know, like. You know the last episode of Seinfeld where like they just get like shown this laundry list of all the people they were mean to over the whole course of the show. They're like not really sorry about it. <laughs> It just turn you into a little bit of that narcissist. <laughs> narcissist, like egocentric maniac. I'm like, I don't care. Yeah, I don't, I'm aloof to it. I so could good. feel, but that 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 would hurt. <laughs> so I'm just gonna not do that. But yeah, so yeah, I started watching Seinfeld, and that's a show that it's it's getting me. Like uh, I'm able to do it, mm-hmm. and it it keeps. You know how some things they don't oh, yeah. go better with time. They like yeah, they just I, age I, I out. Watched like, I don't know, it was, it was a few years ago, but my wife and I started revisiting Friends. I'm like, this did not hold up. No, no, no it did not. Like, this this is just, like, watching it, I was like, why were we so entertained by this as a whole culture? Oh, Yeah. I mean, I'm sure there's cultural relevance in, like, how people socialize that's different from now, but, yeah, but yeah, it's but so sh- different now. Seinfeld's older than that, and it keeps, like, mm. it did bring me back to the days of landlines. That is very true. And you true. call somebody, and or you just don't know something, and you fight about it. Oh, I miss those days. Now, if you're curious about something, bam, I know what it is. It's wild, because like, those are the shows my dad would have watched. Yeah, his dad. In, in I his, asked him about yeah, it. Yeah, in his heyday, like mm-hmm. in his you know late 20s or whatever, when he was you know raising young kids, those would have been his little bits of escapism. I look now at like shows that I've watched recently, like you know, BoJack Horseman's, yep. and wondering, is that going to hold up in 20 years? I mean, I like to think that it is from here, I think but it, I don't know if it will. I think it may be a little too on the nose to hold up for a long time. Like, there's elements of it that are always going to be gold. Mm-hmm. Like, Bojack himself as a character and all the internal all the internal yeah. stuff that he wrestles with. Like, I think that stuff is going to be evergreen. But there's there's other elements to it where I feel like they're trying so hard to be yeah. like commentary timely, on, very yeah. timely. Like like oh we got to hit on this point right That's now. That's very true. Is the pop culture gonna pop culture references? They aren't gonna hit the same. Yeah, the pop culture references aren't gonna hit the same. I think some of I think some of the political points that they're that they're trying to make may in the future feel different. Like you can look yeah. back at them and be like, okay, that was huge back then, back but then. It, it'll be a timely relic. Have you watched Shrek lately? No. I like, watched... Okay, are you talking about the original, the original Shrek? Shrek? Okay, I, was, I thought there was a oh. new one that I was like, no. Not, <laughs> not, not really, really recently, but I mean, like, I watch it, you know... Yeah, it's got off, its Often enough, it, it's one of the movies that has held up for it's me such over a time. pop culture time capsule that somehow is still fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You would think that it would <clears> lose its relevance. I don't know. For me, it made, like, like, the bit where there's, like, the wrestling match in the mud pit, and he's doing, like, the Kurt Angle <laughs> angle lock on the yeah. guy, and, like, shit like that, like, hilarious. Yeah, it's, it's but timeless. it's also But it's also got all these references to, like, classic mm-hmm. fairy tales and stuff like that that yep. keep it, again, evergreen. Keep it evergreen. Yeah. <sighs> speaking of, speaking of new movies that are fun and great and not what I expected, the mm-hmm. new Puss in Boots movie. Really? was really good. I've heard good things. It was so good. I, I honestly I, I wanted a, to go see it with Mac. But I have a distrust. We had, uh, we had the 
the, just the the whole thing about it just being so damn inconvenient and expensive to go movies. Yes. Right? We didn't do it. Did you it's like so uh, bad? Did you ever watch um, Spider Man into the Spider Verse? Yeah. yeah. So some of the same animation studio worked yeah. on this one. Okay. And while it doesn't have the comic book kind of art, yeah. artistic motif to it, it has like like a painted Spanish vista motif. There's like you okay. can see brush strokes in the backgrounds. It's very colorful and vibrant, but surprisingly mature. Like it's Puss in Boots dealing with his mortality. Yeah. There's bleeped out swear words, but they very intentionally left in there so that adults can be like, ha, I know what he said there. <laughs> and yeah, there, there was some surprisingly mature themes. Like people just get straight up murdered. Well, but, that's the thing. Like we, we, we used to have that in our movies all the time. Mm-hmm. People would just get killed. Like it'd be like, oh, but you just, need to deal with this. You need this to deal with this. It's concrete. Look it up. Or oh, that, that, that one with the kid and the yeah. dog, and like, and they go up in the sky. The first 15 of that minutes of that movie are the saddest greatest oh. story ever told. Oh, I know. It rips like, your heart out. Yeah, that, that just that little, that opening montage, I think, is some of the best stuff that Pixar has ever put out. Oh, and it's like, because mm-hmm. that's that's a life worth striving for. Uh, somebody with your best friend going through mm-hmm. struggle, going through hardship. And we were forced to deal with that, where nowadays, yeah. I don't, f- uh, we, we assume, hey, this is a kid's movie, let's keep it fun. It's like, no. Yeah. No, we need to continue having these dark like, things in these movies. We need to have it. Don't get me wrong, Puss in Boots is fun, and kids can watch it and have a great time, but yep. there's enough like anxiety about mortality subtext, yep. as well as some really good representation of of what people who deal with chronic anxiety might go through. Like, there's some good representation there yep. for, for more serious things, yep. but it's mostly subtextual so that adults could pick up on it, but it won't bog it down for kids. <clears throat> they did a really great job. And yeah. the, the villain is... Chef's Kiss, one of the best villains really? I've seen in a movie in a long time. It's not a complex villain. Yeah. He's just thematically... See, now I want to watch it with my kids, but there's a new Disney shit and all that. Scares me, man. Like, this half isn't of it's Disney. Straight. This is DreamWorks. Yeah, but it's half half of the movies that are out there right now are just straight I know. Garbage. We, we watched yeah. a movie on Netflix recently that just pissed me off to the nines going through it. Who do tell? Uh, it was Sea Creatures on Netflix. It's a, it's a kid's show. Oh, okay. Yeah. Supposed. It, it's 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 kind of, you know, like from the the studio quality and like the scale and the vibe. Like it it had very much a How to Train Your Dragon sort of mm, feel mm-hmm, to it. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, which is, How to Train Your Dragons is a great series. Fantastic. So I was like, okay, all right, I'm into this. It's like How to Train Your Dragons, but mixed with pirates. Deal. Let's do this. Halfway through it, I'm like, this is so fucking preachy that I I cannot do it. Like I just. What are they preaching about? Oh, it it is very, very much like uh, the Leviathan are misunderstood. Yeah, well, yeah. For on okay, on one on end one, there, one yeah, end. it's it's you know taking you know the the classic the classic mythical themes of sea monsters, which are mm-hmm. like the Leviathan. It's the the monster in the deep. It's it's character characterization of chaos and evil, mm-hmm. and just reducing it to misunderstood. You know, mm. basic pet, <laughs> you know, sort of thing, right? right? Right. Without earning it in any way, right? Where, like, where How to Train a Dragon earns it with with right. toothless. Like How to Train a Dragon, they earn it. They take a classic, the classic archetype of a dragon, and yes, it subverts it, it inverts it, but it does it through an earned mechanism. Mm-hmm. You know, and the, but in in the sea creature, it's just not there. Mm. It, it just it's it's a magic magic flip, and then on top of that. 
it's very much got a all history is bullshit because it's written by rich white people <laughs> and we're gonna oh, make, and we're gonna make damn sure you know about it <laughs> yeah and it's the, I mean, it's, which, the, it's the extinguishing of the old guard yeah w- most which, of the time which is i think it's a valid theme to explore but like damn it like put some effort into it <laughs> mm. <laughs> like this is it, at no point is this like is this wrestling with a dilemma this is preaching right yeah I, I, there's definitely a valid uh, differentiation to be made there because like, that is a pet peeve of mine like while I love I love representation for various marginalized groups and, and sexual identities and all that I love that in my media but I hate it when it feels like a studio ticking boxes yeah well, that like, feels, that, like that's the, what DC's like the last doing. season of Brooklyn Nine-Nine was, was all that. I never actually saw it don't, I never, I never don't watched waste the last your time. season don't waste your time I, like, I, I loved yeah, seventy-five percent of the first one. Yeah, I would say and like that, that's, that's Bro- Brooklyn Nine-Nine in its original run was a, it was a great like beat cop comedy like mm-hmm. episodic thing had lots of good humor in it, lots of representation. Like it was a very good mosaic cast. It dealt yeah. with it dealt with some of the things about you know police work or being you know working for the government. Mm-hmm. You know like how how do we deal with this with you know like a lesbian character or with uh, you know, females in the workforce or things like mm-hmm. that. It, it had all that, but it felt natural. Yeah. Even if it made certain points that I, you know, would in the end disagree with, I was like, okay, this is still a worthwhile part of being in the show because... It felt like a fair representation as opposed to being shoehorned in. Yeah. The yeah. last season, like, they literally brought it back from the dead. Like, it's yeah. already been, like, canceled. The, two the, years. The, the show, is, was the show two- is over. Just to capitalize on the BLM movement, <laughs> yeah, right. and oh, all cops are bad. Like that, they just went on that. It's like, oh, it's hard being a cop, and it's like one of the best characters. Like, I can't be on the force and be part of this, and yeah, it was. Yeah, <sighs> it just had that whole thing shoved down your throat in a super disingenuous way. It was nah. like, oh, this well, is yeah, it, it was obvious. It was obvious, just too obvious, too on the nose. Gotcha, <laughs> and that's yeah. from somebody who. I have a hard time with cops as it is <laughs> while know. simultaneously understanding there's a need for them in our society. Right. We do. We, we have a need. They're there. I hate them. Not a big fan. Not hate. But, <laughs> like Close. I said, very torn. Very emotionally <laughs> conflicted on my feelings towards cops. And I'm like, uh, I like laughing. I, the thing is, you watch a good cop movie, like Die Hard, you watch these ones that are out there. They're fun. They're so good. I don't care that he's a cop, and a lot of cops annoy me, but <laughs> they have their time. And yeah. <laughs> Anyways. I'm resisting. I'm resisting getting into that. <laughs> I know. We can move on to the original topic of the night. We can just apostasy? Get yeah, we can get into <laughs> apostasy. I love that word. Like, it, it, it is nice because it's a word that fits me nicely, but I also just feel like... like Oh yes, I'm very educated. I'm an apostate. <laughs> <Not> apostate. <laughs> it just, it just, it just yeah. tickles that. I, I like that word because it actually means something and it conveys a real thing. Yes, it's not unlike deconstruction. <laughs> yeah, deconstruction is like oh, turtle, turtle down. Well, see again, like I like the term deconstruction. I just feel like it's overused, so I try to find other words for it. And well, it's used by the wrong kind of people. In many instances, yeah. Um, actually. On, on that note of feeling like I'm smart and on the note of movies, I'm going to quickly tie those two points together. I recently rewatched one of my all-time favorite movies, A Fish Called Wanda. If you haven't seen it, I highly <coughs> recommend it. It was written and stars John Cleese. 
Okay. Okay. Now, I, all right. Now, now you got me. <laughs> and a young Kevin Klein and a young Jamie Lee Curtis. Oh. From like 1989. F- great movie. But Kevin Klein plays this guy, Otto, who's in love with Jamie Lee Curtis. And they're having a fight. And she calls him an ape. And he's like, excuse me, apes don't read philosophy. And she's like, yes, they do. They just don't understand it. <laughs> and that speaks to me on like a really deep level. Like, I can read all the philosophy in the world. Yeah. And I can feel as smart as I want. But that doesn't actually mean that I get any of it. Oh, yeah. Have you ever tried to read like... I, I tried to read a little while ago, like uh, some some stuff from like Thomas Aquinas. Mm-hmm. It's like, nope, can't do it. It's rough. It's, this is beyond. This is beyond me. <laughs> I have a hard time even just reading like the n- newer age stuff. Like I, I read and recommended to a friend uh, the Myth of Sisyphus. Okay, uh, it is much more tolerable. The myth of Syphilis. Sisyphus. <laughs> It's, it's great. I, I, I want to say Jean-Paul Sartre. You, you know Sartre? somebody listening Sartre? Sartre? is like, syphilis? I never knew there was a myth about syphilis. <laughs> no, it's, it's real. It's real. It's fucking real. <laughs> Sisyphus, yeah. look him up. I can read it all I want, but how much of it do I really understand? That's what as, audiobooks as a are great. It's true. <laughs> they allow you to work and listen and the re-listen and then listen again yeah so so using terms like apostasy i feel i feel good using them but also yeah. it is very specific and i think appropriate so it's funny so my deconvert or not deconversion deconstruction <laughs> or journey to apostasy so i've i've been outside of the christian faith now for a good couple of years mm-hmm. but never really put a lot of effort into why i just drifted away and was comfortable with that but partially through talking with you guys after the first time I was on your show, we talked after the show about it a bit. And recently I started attending church again, not because I believe, but because it's meaningful social interaction. I get along with a lot of the people that go there, etc. But they've been very nice and respectful, but also asked me questions about my faith, and which has kind of forced me to now actually... Yeah, if you're going to talk about com- it, you have to think about it. Your- I have to actually be able to express why I left the faith, which then led me down kind of a a post-apostasy deconstruction. I had to actually break it all down and figure it out and be able to explain it, which is Which I think is probably the appropriate use of the word. Yes. Mm -hmm. That's where I say, like, I think it has, it has its moments because at this point (laughs) I'm not... Right now it's just a buzzword. Exactly. Exactly. So yeah, it's been a time and I sent, well, I I didn't send to you guys, but I posted the video on Facebook Mm -hmm. that kind of got this ball rolling. For me to come back. Not that I need an excuse. Yeah. I'm just happy to be here. <laughs> um, but it's it's been such a wild ride for me, spending time kind of engaging in apologetics online predominantly. I've done some reading. I read some William Lane Craig stuff. I read some... Um, to be honest, I really dislike him. Oh, I hate his guts. He's <laughs> such a blithering idiot. Uh, I've watched a lot of like Capturing Christianity, who's one of the more popular apologetics channels on YouTube. Um... And I also watch lots of counter-apologetics. And it's it's such a, an interesting thing for me because I feel like... See, this is, why I want, this is why I'm really excited to talk to you guys about it because I don't know where you guys sit, but I feel like the majority, not all, but the majority of Christian apologetics are really dumb. 
Like, it's not that the faith is bad. Their faith, their belief, their relationship with God, I'm all, I'm on board with that. To That's me, fine. it feels almost like, uh, it's almost a little performative. Like, it's like, point, counterpoint. Like, it's it's trying to score points well, it's asy- for, this, for the sake of it. It's asymmetric insight. They assume that they understand the opposing a lot of, position. Yes, a lot of them make better than they huge do. assumptions. Yes. <laughs> like, like uh, the lead singer of... Uh, skillet writing oh a book my God, on. I hate his book so much. I didn't read it. I don't know <laughs> don't. anything about it. He's but, a blithering idiot. But he. Some he, people he, shouldn't be allowed to write books. I love his music though. <laughs> my kids love his music too. Right? Like <laughs> just because you're good at one thing, don't assume. <laughs> but he wrote a book on deconstruction and how it's a. a, a but. Actually, I don't know if he actually talked to somebody who's come in, out, in, out, like mm-hmm. kind of actually walked through it. I think he. I made highly it. doubt it. It's it's very much a, it's very much a rah rah a team us. You yeah, know? it's like oh they're just wanting looking for excuse to drink, and I'm like I I don't need that. There was one guy I was watching on YouTube, and he put it very very well and very succinctly, which is that apologetics are not a conversion tool. No, it's a retention tool. Yeah, more than anything, I think that's probably. Yeah, but that's true. the thing. A lot of people are using them as a, like a gospel tool. It's like, hey, if we can just prove our argument right enough. Yeah, like like for me, like uh, coming to the point where I decided not to apostatize, it had nothing to do with apologetics. Mm-hmm. Like it, I was not argued back to. Oh, okay, I believe this. Yeah, exactly. And I tried. I tried. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm not. <laughs> that's not a no, joke. No, you did. My wife <laughs> did. People in the club did. Mm-hmm. And it was out of love. It was. It was not a. Yeah. Don't, oh, yeah. don't abandon no the team. Father-in-law man. did. Like oh, you know, like I. Sorry, but that's not. It was not compelling for one. Yeah. Two, I felt very misrepresented. Mm-hmm. You know, in what you're even trying to argue. Well, yeah, well, yeah, that's exactly because we. It just felt like missing the point entirely. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and there's there's so much mischaracterization within apologetics of whether it be apostates or atheists from who never were religious. There's just so much rife mischaracterization. Mm-hmm. Like when someone says to Which, you, it, it's but that's a two sides of the coin thing too, right? Oh yeah. Like l- let's say that video that you put up on your Facebook page about those guys talking about the, you know, like the, the you know, can God not murder children thing, yes. right? I felt like they were doing a lot of mischaracterization. Not so much mischaracterization mischaracterization of the guy that they were dealing with because mm-hmm. I think he was uh he he set himself there and he was he was the straw man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> to, now, I feel know. like the guy who made the video did a good job of giving him a fair shake. He was as charitable as he could have been, but that guy yeah. that guy himself there had no business talking about that <laughs> on the public. He's way at, out of his depth. Yeah. So apart from them trying to be charitable to him, I felt though like the guy that puts that constructed the video, and we can put this on our Facebook page. Like yeah. I'd, I'd love to share it on our stuff. Yeah, I'm, not when, I'm not worried about sending people to hell. We've already done that. <laughs> <laughs> if, if you're listening to this, you're halfway there. <laughs> but uh, I, I felt like in some ways, when they're when they're dealing with stuff regarding the text itself, I felt like they were inserting things that weren't necessarily there. Like it, it, there was some characterization things happening. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, his characterization of why well, can't I remember the name of the the group that the Israelites were ordered to kill? Uh, was it the Midianites? I think it was the Midianites. Yeah. So the assumption was that, that numbers they were, numbers chapter thirty one. Yes. Yeah. So the assumption that they were taking all the. Uh, uh, Un, 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 all the virgin girls away to be sexual slaves. I think that's an overreach. Mm-hmm. Quite possible that something relatively, like, they probably ended up 
marrying in and getting absorbed into the Israelite society, but saying that they were sold into sexual slavery is an overreach. And to assume that, I feel, was very uncharitable. Mm-hmm. At the same time, it's not like a huge leap, but it is a leap. It is. But it's one of those things, too, where it doesn't really take into it doesn't really take into account the the rest of any context regarding that overall story of numbers and exodus and like like there's there's so much more going on there regarding like like comparing how they dealt with one conquest to another mm-hmm. uh what god said about how they deal with you mm-hmm. know with with women who aren't married like things like that right like so there's there's it's so much of a mosaic of different things going on that right. just ch- taking out the most difficult chapter of the book or of the five books mm-hmm. and then just bearing down on one principled point on it. Like, while yes, that makes for good conversation and, and a deep and it, it's, it's a deep enough exercise to do to, to try and deal with, with a difficult thing. But it's just too divorced from it to really be dealing with with overall how people feel about the Old Testament. Right. And I feel like that's, I feel like that's largely born out of, speaking from the outside, when I look at the Bible, I don't see a colorful mosaic of interconnected stories and teachings. I just see one group's interpretation of history notched out in a book that's been passed on generation after generation translated over and over again mm-hmm. and so from the outside which very well could be what it is yeah i'm not saying I, that it and i'm is. not i'm not denying that element is probably part of it yeah even even as a christian right i'm not denying that at all but that doesn't take away either from the various depth because like there's a lot that's being brought to bear from that group of people that is very subversive very different mm-hmm. you know it's and some of it is in tension with 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 itself and with each other. Mm-hmm. And this, I don't know if it's a possibility. There's some people who argue that that particular passage is more metaphorical than literal. But I don't, I don't like picking and choosing what parts of the Bible are metaphor and what parts well, are literal. There, there, there are a lot, and people attribute a lot well, yeah, of literalism you, you into be, areas you can't where be arbitrary it really has about it. Exactly. Like, yeah. If we're gonna like just be honest, yes, there's lots that is in the Bible that is metaphor. Yeah, there's people don't lots. like that. That I say, I I truly think Job is metaphorical. Mm-hmm. I do. Do I disprove? The, can I say no? There never was one. I'm like, I, I no. think there's. I think there's textual. Uh, there's textual weight to that idea. Oh, that yes. it's metaphor, right? Like it's mm-hmm. it's it's separated from the greater narrative. It you know it starts off kind of whimsical, like there once was a man in the land named Uz. <laughs> you know, like, like that is that is fairy tale yeah. language, right? Yes. Yeah. And yeah. then Jesus or God and Satan were <laughs> conversating, and they were making yeah, like a wager. Oh, that that's totally there's, something there's, that there's keeps an, true with the rest exactly. of scripture. So the beginning of the book starts with a narration of mm-hmm. something that you know Job or the writer was couldn't possibly know like it's it's setting up a like an imaginative supposal like okay suppose the situation is playing out let's see how the human yeah. part of it develops as it deals with it like mm-hmm. it's it is l- very literary in design yeah. yes like you know like i'm sure you could say like well you know you don't know it could very well have happened and that you know That's god true. gave god gave the writer divine revelation of what was happening behind the veil I'm like yes but I have no evidence of that either. So I, I 
think that the most helpful way to look at this is looking at it through kind of a literary motif, a device mm -hmm. that's what, giving what, us something to think about. Like, so and what can you take from it too? Like, well, okay, take it as a literal or figurative story. What can I learn from this this yeah. story? And can do do does the story portray a truth deeper than reality? And so, that's what the the Job story really does. Yeah, and, 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 and this conversation is like a perfect little like encapsulation of the nuance that I find grossly lacking in most Christian apologetics. Because mm. there's very much like a, a them versus us attitude. There's a lot of, I mean... Well, look at the atheists. They have a very tribal attitude towards a lot of, a lot of things. Yes. Certainly the more public-facing ones, like your Richard Dawkins, your uh, Christopher he, Hitchens. Yeah. I don't like Dawkins. I do like Hitchens most of the time. I, yeah. I actually love Dawkins when I'm... When I'm reading his his writings on biology, I, reading him I like more. Listening to him I don't yeah. like. He's kind of a condescending prick <laughs> a lot of the time. Yeah. I, that may have yes. walked you with the accent. <laughs> I mean, Hitchens has the accent too, but Hitchens is at least like Hitchens is still biting and still sharp, but he's not. But you get the, you get the impression of like somebody with a cigar and a glass of brandy in the <laughs> in the middle of a bar, right? Just getting like heated. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But like you know, like. Uh, you know some of, some of his stuff on like genetic memes or mm -hmm. like the one the one book he did which is an overall look at the the theory of evolution like kind of unpacking it from from pooter to snooter sort of thing mm -hmm. right like all the way through beautifully written book yes. very informative educational love that stuff the god delusion like Oh my gosh, like, no, this is not your forte, dude. <laughs> like, I mean, it's it's kind of like certain guys where you're like, you have no business talking about, you know, as a Christian talking about apologetics, because this is beyond you too. <laughs> I actually need to read The God Delusion. I know that it is, it tends to be kind of a cornerstone of... I think I heard a debate with that guy. Richard Dawkins? Maybe probably no, he's been no, in the, the other, the other, or yeah, it might have been, I don't know, it was just one of those... I mean, they've both been in plenty. Atheist oh, yeah. debate. Well, and he just it, it, he was trying to argue religion. It's like yeah. no, you're not. You you, you can't argue well, it because he didn't know anything about it. Was it. Dawkins, Hitchens, um, um, Pinker. Oh, no, what's the name not Adams. He was on Shapiro's show a few years ago. It's like the four horsemen of the of the apocalypse. They're yeah. they're colloquially called, which is a bit of a misnomer, I think. But <laughs> <coughs> excuse me, it's. They're definitely, especially on those four people, there's there's a certain level of um, animosity towards religion. And I think, you know, it's like there's there's one thing that, that Christians say that really bugs me, and it's that, you know, like, if you find an atheist, there's no true atheist. Really, there's all people that are hurt about God. You know, oh, I hate trying. that so much. And But I think a lot of that comes from that four horsemen. Definitely. <laughs> like, just that that whole vibe that they kick off people look at that and be like okay this is what people are listening to that's they're the most popular well mm -hmm. obviously what they're dealing with is what's bringing resonant with mm. everybody else but that's not true you can be atheistic based on principle and logic alone yeah like i i do believe there's a principled atheist yeah well yes i also believe that there are people that <laughs> you know uh eschew their faith or eschew religion because of emotional damage or oh, things like that but that that, be, that doesn't discredit them at all hmm. like there's a lot of like this is where i really enjoyed getting into like the uh, kind of the the, the <clears throat> bootstrap apostasy not bootstrap like really small scale little people on youtube or or little bloggers and people like that 
they tend to have a lot more I don't know if it's just time for the nuance or if they actually just do have a lot more general compassion kind of baked into their system. Like the video I posted, like even though he's saying some stuff that isn't perfectly charitable, the general vibe of his video isn't as antagonistic as a Dawkins or a Hitchens in a debate. And having the time to, to differentiate, like, like if I, okay, so if I tell you that I'm an atheist, mm -hmm. what do you, what, when I tell you I'm an atheist, what do you assume about my my belief what, what does that imply to, to you to me there's no wrong answer <laughs> to me if you say that you are an atheist i hear i don't believe in in a, in god higher power or a supernatural realm like i essentially like when i hear atheist i think somebody who principally believes that materialism is epistemologically epistemologically true right right that's how i would put it okay yeah and some people think as you say, the, 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 the statement that we hate so much about an atheist is just someone who's really angry at God, but deep down they really know that God exists is super frustrating. There's been a, like a, a new uh, terminology that's been floating around that I keep reading about, and it's positive and negative atheists. Mm -hmm. So a positive atheist being someone who is adamant that there is proof that there is no God, whereas a negative atheist is someone who's who believes there's isn't proof for God. And I feel like that's a really cool distinction there that I feel like doesn't get, doesn't get the attention it deserves. Mm -hmm. Cause like I sit in the negative atheist camp. I don't think there is any definitive proof that there, there is no God. I feel like there's no proof that there is one that I've, that I've managed to find yet, but that doesn't mean that there's proof that there isn't. It's kind of hard. If I believe he doesn't exist, it would be really hard to have proof that he doesn't exist. It's kind of, yeah, kind of an impossible thing to prove. And and uh, if somebody came to you, it's like, well, you can't prove that he doesn't, so he, he there is a chance that he could. It is a chance. But, but at the same and, time... And a lot of Christians would say, ah, so you're agnostic. I'm like, okay, well, sure. <laughs> like, like, it doesn't really yeah. change much, but if that makes you feel better by using the exactly. distinction, okay, yeah. fine. But. And agnostic is a, is a good term, but I find that most people, when I tell them I'm agnostic, they have to be like, <clears throat> oh, what's that mean? <laughs> it's yeah. easier to say I'm an atheist I, or to I say I'm a negative atheist, and then and, they question and the to term. to me, like, agnostic can be so much more squishy because like at that point you could be like okay well i think there's a higher thing but i don't know anything mm -hmm. you know i but i can't prove which one is right so i just kind of float around and hope i do good enough for that whatever the next is gonna yeah i, I, I feel like good. agnosticism is just indecision right like to me that's agnosticism <coughs> it's 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 a Excuse feeling me. it's a belief in something more but you just won't choose a side like, yeah you won't you like it's one, of, one of my biggest hangups when it comes to common atheism is the unbelievable laziness that it comes you just said your words i would tell people i'm agnostic but then they, you have to explain it right i have to explain agnosticism but as as he pointed out i worry a lot about being conflated with that idea of agnosticism like the yes. idea of indecision I'm not indecisive about I'm spiritual, this. No, 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 but no. not religious. Yeah, I, I hate that. Yeah. For me personally, like, not for other people. For other people, that's great. When yeah. applied to me, I, I detest having that label attached to myself. Yes, and I think the, there's a certain laziness that goes along with some, some atheism mm -hmm. that says, I haven't researched every single f philosophical, spiritual religion out there. I haven't but how actually... Can you? I, you can't. No, I'm not saying you can. <laughs> you know, but I, I mean, to make if the that's... assertion of, I'm an atheist 
and I've done all the like. Oh, I'm an atheist, so I just you're making yeah. a very definitive okay, well, statement. You, you could, while you could being, turn that you could turn that gun on me and yourself and myself. Damn yep. well, because oh, yes. you could be like, well, have no, you, no, have you, have, no, have, no. How how deep down the rabbit hole of Buddhism have you gone? How <laughs> no, deep down no, the rabbit no. hole of Hinduism have you gone? No, no, because I, I I've got the trouble. Fucking on lazy. <laughs> it's lazy. <laughs> it is lazy. Hold on. But it's 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 a really easy word. It's uh, faith, and all I got to do is throw that faith word out there. It's like no, I just believe. I believe, <laughs> and I'm going to have faith that I, what I'm doing is the right thing to do. That's your trump and card. That is my trump card. <laughs> but and, and, but at no point am I am I claiming that. No, but at the same time, if you're going to like give people shit for being lazy about not looking on the other, have you checked this out? Have you checked that out? I mean, if you're going to chide people for that, yeah. the, what's good for the goose is good for the gander. That's right. <laughs> okay. And I I got, mean, I'm I, willing to take that. I like that answer more than I like people who are like, oh, well, I found proof that God exists. <clears throat> I believe and am, I am I am more yeah. comfortable with your answer of, no, My, I just have a personal relationship and it's based largely and, on and faith. And faith because I can't know everything. I'm ignorant in some areas and I'm okay. I'm at peace with that. I feel I'm like that is good. a substantially more honest and yeah. even intellectually honest statement than than people who say, oh no, like the Kalam cosmological argument proves that he exists. And it's like, fuck off. No, it doesn't. Oh, I know. There's there's, there's a guy that listened he, to the he show. He saw it on the list. He really was. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I saw it. Like, yeah there, there's, a, there's a guy that that I really want to actually debate that with because I'm like, I think, I think as a Christian, I can, without playing devil's advocate, I think I can poke holes in it. I mean, even... Even if it's perfect, even if the Kalam yeah, cosmological argument is, uh, it, it's um, two jinn to one um, cordial, two to one. Yeah. Okay. And I would love a refill. You can just yeah. Take I, up. Like one of these days too. I also want to be like, so I'm a Christian, but I want to, but I want to just totally dismantle, uh, you know, creation or, or the evidence of design and creation. <laughs> yeah, and it's because like, like to me that's not like I'm like okay. Even if God exists, I'm not entirely sure that that uh, creation is, you know, perfect design. Yeah, and it's like, to, to use the Kalam as a, as a scapegoat, even if that argument were perfectly sound, like, if there was no real little leak you. to that argument, which there are plenty of, of weak points to it, all it does is indicate that there's something out there. It gives no indication. Yes, of it doesn't. What the thing it doesn't is. give you any direction. Exactly. Like that, it's kind of that's like, another step you're taking on top of it. It's like I mean, uh, let's be fair. It, if you have a type, if you have any kind of religious belief nature. that is, uh, that has any kind of structure or form to it, you are at at that point you're making epistemological claims mm. that aren't base level. Mm-hmm. Right, like you're building, you're building a tower of various <coughs> affirmative belief statements that each need their own level of proof to say with with certainty that they're true. Yeah. To even get to that idea of like Yahweh, right? Exactly. Or like Pascal's wager is another really easy one to apply that kind of same logic to. Yeah, Pascal's wager makes perfect sense if you only apply it to a Judeo-Christian God. Well, no, that, that's exactly it. You do apply it to any. We we actually did a whole episode on that yeah. about hey, what if okay, if if it's a math, it was made by a mathematician mm-hmm. in I think thirteen hundreds, maybe yep, seventeen, like and <laughs> it, if it's a, a math, okay, we're gonna do math. Cool, choose the worst god. 
the worst hell. You have to go if you're doing a mathematical logical leap here. Yeah, you have to you're, choose you're the worst the dice possible and you're taking the wager. Hell. Then, you know, you're like, okay, well, like the most loving god is probably the one you shouldn't bet on because you can kind of bank on him <laughs> saving your ass in the end. <laughs> so yeah. I mean like See, be living by convictions, like I just gotta yeah. gotta play it safe. Like I yeah, <laughs> if that was true, if if Pascal's wager was the best way to get to Christianity, then all of us would be in Fred Phelps's church. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, there's there's such a level of. I, I I feel harsh saying it, but I feel like there's a certain level of intellectual dishonesty when they portray those sorts of arguments as being not even ironclad, but indications towards a Judeo Christian God. At at level best, they push people towards spirituality of some form, belief in yeah. some form of deity, with with no indication as to what deity. Or what the rules are around that deity, we just have to. <coughs> I hate using the term "god of the gaps," but we have to. We, like, it necessitates putting the Judeo-Christian god into that gap to make that argument fit. They have to insert that connective tissue with no reason or, or rhyme to it being there, and that that's such a a pervasive problem with so many forms of apologetics, whether it be that, whether it be the problem of evil, whether it be um, um, like a, a moral rationality for the existence of God. All of those kind of well, not really the moral one. That's got its own issues. But they, they kind of necessitate the insertion of God by proxy without it earning its place there. And I, I, I just dislike that there are so few apologetics, apologeticists, apologetics mm-hmm. people, I don't know, <coughs> that are willing to take, like, willing to have the nards to say yeah. that. And I, I think there are some, like, there, there are some, like, uh, I don't want to say apologeticists because I don't actually think it's true. But there are some... Christian philosophers mm-hmm. <laughs> that put in the work. Yes. And yes, eventually you have to admit that yes, we're we're taking a leap on this whole thing, mm-hmm. but at least they're thinking of the layers. Yeah. You know, and trying to get back, you know, trying to examine what every epistemological layer to their position is and rationally get themselves to that point. It, but that's a very different thing than being like point counterpoint. Exactly. Atheist destroyed. Yeah, but you're you're not going to find churches promoting those guys. You're not going to find a pastor. Well, going no, up there. It, that's because it, it, it doesn't going to. It never. It doesn't play for no. for a good sermon. It doesn't play with, hey, you know, let's put in ten percent of our of our earnings into this offering and plate. That's <laughs> the part I think that gets under my skin so much is that I feel like. I feel like I, from outside the church, I mean, who, who still attends church, I would feel so much more comfortable with churches existing on an intellectual level if they could just own that fact. But they that doesn't pander wide enough. It, yeah, it doesn't pander to the lowest common denominator very and well, that's a, which is kind of sad. Like, I, I, I hate saying it, but it really does. Mm-hmm. It, 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 they have to keep it to a better surface level of yeah. understanding. Yeah, we, well, we, we live in a surface, we live in a consumer culture. And unfortunately, that has invaded spirituality to an incredibly pervasive degree. Yeah. Like, because like, I mean, if you go and you sit through an Anglican uh, liturgy yeah. or, an yeah, Orthodox, yeah. or an Orthodox service or things like that, like, you know, pissed, like if you, anything that was made like kind of before 1900, that's just not going to be there, at least not in the same degree. Mm-hmm. Like you're going there and you're and you're reading scriptures and singing psalms of God, of Jesus. It's and it's it's not set up in a way to try and make you in. It's not trying to set up in a way to manipulate you to invest 
mm. whether it's time or attention or money. Mm-hmm. It's there. This is what we are. This is what we assert. This is what we believe. And we're going to sing what we believe. Yeah. And we're going to take the Eucharist. This is about encountering God through this, this divine symbol that he set up when he was on earth and take it or leave it. And, and to me, that's beautiful. And that's yeah. that's why I don't do it's not, evangelical it's not, church anymore. <clears throat> mm. It's not trying to be something that it's not. Yeah. It's 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 being exactly what it is. It's not Yeah. That's that's why I say like I hate I hate that church in general now is like, you know, or you know, it's like a spiritual TED talk. Mm. <laughs> you know, and, and just it's got the lights, it's got the vibe. Oh yeah. It it's you know, all all this stuff where it basically boils down to you're there to hear a thing that affirms, you know, it's your confirmation bias. <clears throat> yeah, but there are. T- but you've been to church before when you heard a preacher preach, and you know he's speaking truth, but it cuts against something that you believe. You're there. There does happen. It's oh yeah, not yeah, yeah. Always. I'm, not, I'm not. I'm not saying that, <clears throat> that they're all exist in bad faith. But like when we we're talking about the video game thing before, right? We we said, you know, or at least I did, because yeah. you know, I, I I said it very intentionally is that it's interesting that the medium can bring something else to it, right? Because mm-hmm. medium is message in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. yep. right? Like you can put whatever you want on, let's say Facebook, you know, however intellectual, however articulate, however dumb you want to be, it's going to hit people a certain way because of the medium it's on. Mm-hmm. Yep. People are already in a mode <laughs> when they're on that app. Yep. It was going through white and blue lines as they doom scroll up and down. Yeah. And it puts them in a different way to receive or even deal with stuff. And, you know, it, it's just the, the medium changes anything that you say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's one of the things that and I started to dislike more and more and more through my apostasy <laughs> was seeing that veil pulled back on the medium. I couldn't mm-hmm. do it. And I couldn't go back to it once I came back to faith. Yeah. But there's something to be said, I think, for... And, and I don't want to denigrate anybody there that gets something out of it. Yeah. yeah. But I don't anymore. Let's, that's where I've ended up landing <coughs> in, in a lot of situations, like especially with me uh, attending again. I don't feel any real moral qualms about attending church because I don't think that church as a collection of people there to, to share an interest in something is inherently bad. Now, when it comes <coughs> to church values getting pushed into politics and in legislation that's where my beef starts to apply but on like a personal level you know, I don't, I don't to, know. to what level when mm. when when you say uh, church influencing politics to what level if, are you talking regional are you talking uh, federal any, like any if, at all because any, I, I believe if, that if a church based policy or a a, a christian based policy is getting proposed i i demand the same level of um justification as I would from any other source. So if a church says you know, we need to make, you know, we need to outlaw abortions I expect there to be valid scientific reasoning to match that I'm not going to, I'm not going to agree with it because God said that's what should happen because for me and more than 50% of the country, God is a non-factor. So I don't want legislation being picked on what God says is right or wrong. Yeah. But if God gives you that direction and you can provide other evidence to back that claim up I'm a-okay with that claim. I have no beef with it whatsoever. Yeah. But the, the standard of, of, of um, justification for that claim has to match the same as everything else. The God can't be a factor in it. Okay. 
Oh, okay. That, 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 I, don't, I think I think I, I think that makes you, sense. You, you put it very well. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now. <sighs> yeah. Like I mean, like when when it comes to the voting booth, like yeah, vote vote to your convictions. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, when you're in the realm of public discourse, mm-hmm. you have to you have to get past yourself and be able to give a valid argument that is mm-hmm. compelling. Yeah. Now. In the in the term of what you're talking about, let's say you put it down to an election. You said, okay, the people want to decide whether or not mm-hmm. this thing are right or wrong. Anything that it is, mm-hmm. if enough people say, as a a, a community, as a c- group of people, we don't want this in our town. Mm. Be it anything at all. If enough people say this is our moral standard that we're creating. Should you let that moral standard fly? Because it, gets, it, it, it is going into the realm of it gets a lot murkier at that point. Well, well yeah, no, because but that's what I'm talking yeah, about. Because people mm-hmm. people will vote or they will want to insert things into public discourse or into into policy mm-hmm. based on their beliefs, right? I mean, like even mm-hmm. like let's say Black Lives Matter, like just as a as a group, they're going to want to push for things that are based on their beliefs. Right. You know, as I, I don't, I don't want to say a community because it's such a squishy thing. But well, I can use actually. I have, I have a less incendiary example to use. Okay, I'm going to use Footloose as an example. All right, dancing. <laughs> so, like, on I one g- hand, I'm a big proponent of you know the democratic system. If more than half the people within a township decide, hey, dancing is bad and unhealthy for our youth, no dancing. Yeah. At the same time, if I step back a little bit and look at the reasoning behind the no dancing, oh hey. This person's kid died. He's a large leader within the community. He has a personal vendetta against this thing, and he is pushing large portions of this community with rather faulty information to back up that claim. Yeah, I'm still going to abide by the vote, but I'm probably going to rail against it. You see, I'm 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 on the opposite. I'm a very much just because everyone says it's like a moral majority doesn't mean or a majority doesn't mean shit. That's mob rule. Yeah, just just because ten people say something doesn't mean that I'm going to disbelieve. Oh, the, if, well, if ten mean, people came to me and said the world's flat, you, right, I right, wouldn't be... I I would, you, I'll tell you right now, if they outlawed alcohol right now, I'd be one of the guys at a speakeasy with the passcode. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, As a Christian, I'd be like, <laughs> talking it, philosophy and... and <clears throat> yeah. Take it to the nth degree. Like, I mean, I look at the election of Trump. Like, there's, it's no secret that I vehemently opposed yeah. him being elected, but the um, fact of the matter is that he was democratically elected. Now, you could nitpick with gerrymandering and all that jazz, which is a substantial yeah. issue, but... But, I mean, but the, that, the, the that argument cuts... Democrats love gerrymandering. Yeah. That, that acu- or they argument all they all love the cuts back and forth whoever is elected, yeah. right? Like, yeah. But the, the idea being that he's elected. <clears throat> now, I'm yeah. going to speak out against his ideas, yeah. his policies, and what yeah. he's doing, but the fact is that he's elected, and now we got to deal with that. Yeah. In Footloose case, I may speak out against the outlawing of dancing and fight so that next time a town hall happens, we can vote to repeal that, but I'm going to abide by the no dancing because whether I like the reasoning or the, the 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 impetus behind the rule or even how I feel that people may have been tricked into voting for the rule, I'm going to do my best within reason to abide by the group <clears throat> consensus. Within reason. You know, within if, if reason. If we vote to yeah, turn you, over that's the, thing. the West Coast to China, I'm going to be like, yeah. eh, maybe not. <laughs> but that's the thing. There are so many things that I, I think the government has zero place in doing mm-hmm. and and... and being forced to do some things in our country, like uh, the mask mandate, they're like, "You should wear a mask." I'm like, "Yeah, you're you're probably right. I, maybe I should." Oh, we'll put it one on. No, because I don't. I I really don't think I need to. 
I'm healthy. I'm, I can make a decision. I'm good enough to go to work. I, do, I take care of myself. I'm in good shape. I'm not endangering anybody. I'm not hanging out with old people. And so there are things that you you could say, yeah, well, the government said it, so I'm not going to fight it. No, fuck. Oh, the government yeah. doesn't know what they're talking about. I don't ever look at it because the government said it. I'm not I'm not going to fight it. I, I rarely use the government as a as a but, but, that's, the, but you're using legislative laws and I'm using like votes as, as yeah, as, but they're democrat. They are they are democratically chosen people, and they get to dictate how you live your life. I I vote you to. Make sure that we don't get invaded. That's, yeah. that's it. Leave me alone. Leave my tax. Leave my. I'm a libertarian in a lot of ways. Oh yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> you keep saying that, but you also keep saying things. I'm like, oh, that's so cuts against it. <laughs> I know. I know. I'm very. I'm a very complicated person. I'm oh. very deep. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's another one that I've been. This has been coming on the tail end of the <clears throat> the, the deconstruction is um, digging into what free will is. Oh, yeah. And where do I sit along lines of uh, like libertarian free will and determinism? Mm. Yeah, I'm I'm on a uh, yes and no on both. Oh yeah, no, I'm I'm a hundred percent. I think that the world is very deterministic. Uh, oh yeah. However, I do believe that regardless of whatever deterministic forces are thrust upon you, there is always the opportunity to swim upstream. Yeah. Yes. Even though most people don't do it. <laughs> yes, with an asterisk though, because. <laughs> How, when we bake it down to how our brains function on a biological level, how much of that is an expression of a soul deciding this, that, and the other thing, and how much of that is just a happenstance of the chemistry in our brains? We were raised a certain way, we ate certain foods, there's certain chemicals, which dictate certain decisions. I'm not saying I land on either side of it. Mm -hmm. It's just a really... It is very dicey. Really dicey yeah, thing yeah, to look really into. And what I used to think was cut and dry. Like I used to be not libertarian uh, politically, but certainly philosophically a big into libertarian free will. Now I'm not quite so much because I look at all the different factors that determine why I make the decisions I make. And I feel less free about them and more like I'm mostly following a set pattern, whether I'm consciously doing it or not. Yeah. I'm, I'm libertarian to the point of you tell me not to dance. I don't even like dancing and I'll do it. <laughs> You're I'm contrarian, like, no, not libertarian. Yeah, I am. No, that, that being said, though, you recognize there is an impulse in you to yes. act that way, though. Oh, there yeah. is an impulse in you to cut against what you're told. Because That, because that is a deterministic thing. It's more so with laws that don't make sense. If I'm looking at something, I'm Man. like, this makes no sense. I okay. will not follow it. I will <laughs> not abide. Now, at that point, though, you have to go into, well, what are all the factors that make me think this doesn't make sense? When right. it comes to dancing, well, <laughs> this, okay. Uh, no, like, I'm just saying, I'm just saying that the determinism in there comes with you deciding what makes sense and what doesn't. Yes. Because there's such a big mosaic of influences yeah. that produce your sense of what's right and wrong. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Have you ever looked into, uh, not the, not the satanic church, but the satanic temple? I know, no, not particular. Maybe, but I. It, it's interesting. So it's it's a religious organization, but it's non-theistic. Yeah, that's something yeah. I've learning about recently from a couple of friends. Because I did not know there's a mm -hmm. distinction between the Satanic Church yes. and the Satanic Temple. Mm -hmm. The Temple's a newer one. So they use Satan as kind of iconography. Yeah. To indicate it's, the, it's a check and balance to the Christian influence on cultural and s political leanings. For some people, it is. 
but they use symbolism of 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 Satan or Lucifer as the ultimate rebel because mm-hmm. they view what they're doing as an act of <laughs> not defiance, but standing but, up for what they feel is right, regardless of what the culture around them says. That's a that's a gross oversimplification. Yeah, but they use him largely as kind of like a freedom fighter, rebellious icon, as opposed mm-hmm. to a, a demonic, sinful icon. Yeah, obviously they get a good kick out of you know they, they people love, getting their panties in a yeah, bunch over that, it. They yeah. do. It was so fun. We we had one on our podcast once, and watching my dad's panties get ruffled over it was the most fun because he can't he can't get over the iconography, yeah. which I get. He's got decades of oh yeah of residual uh, um, distaste for that built up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I get, and I I get it. I really do. When somebody's claiming to be something, just to just to fuck with you, essentially. Yeah. They're, they're, there's, a, they, there's a certain fun in that. There's no genuine... They're not genuinely yeah. like, I am all for raping children. No. No. Yeah. But just, you see, like, to me, like, I, I look at that, and I'm like, all right, I can see that, and I can respect it, but it doesn't strike me as religion. No, it isn't. It, it's not religion. Yeah. They're only religion in the sense that they want... They want to shine a spotlight on how... Um, that's what I'm looking for. Unhealthy, the treatment that religious organizations get within the states is. Oh yeah, so they classify that's, themselves that's a fair as a religion, point. Yeah. and they like they make after-school programs for kids specifically to counteract the after, like Christian yeah. after-school programs, and they make them to be all-inclusive and to not have all the moralistic or legalistic rules that would come along with a Christian program. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, because like baked into the cake with North American, but especially America, mm-hmm. baked into the cake is this lineage of of uh kind of like puritan christianity right Mm -hmm. like that's and so yeah like when it's there it plays out in ways that people don't necessarily expect because nobody thinks like oh this moray that i'm used to comes from you know comes from pilgrims Mm -hmm. you know and and their religious ideas like nobody thinks about that and so if you don't think about those things enough to identify what's being applied in a healthy or unhealthy way, mm-hmm. it usually comes out sideways. Yeah, and you, I mean, in, in in all honesty, in that in that scenario, having somebody shine the spotlight on the absurdity of it is a good thing. It's really nice that they can hold a mirror up to it and be like, it's, "Look how stupid some of these things yeah. are." It's, yeah. it's to, to me, it's the gesture speaking to the king, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's the gesture showing the king how retarded he's being in a. <laughs> In a way that the king can't really do anything about because he can't can't kill the jester because everybody's gonna be mad at me for mm-hmm. doing it. Well, that's the thing. He is the ultimate <clears throat> check and bet. Like he was the guy who can call you out for your yeah. bullshit. I was it's, listening to Joe Rogan's podcast. They were talking about the jester. Yeah. He's like, I wonder how many jester died. Probably hundreds. Yeah. And they're like, no, no. The, the jester was an important part of the culture because he shone a light where no one else is re- willing to shine a light. Mm-hmm. He was saying, look, this is, no, stop getting a high on your own supply. This is who you actually are. You need somebody like that. And you need somebody to call you out on your bullshit. That's mm-hmm. why I got fucking this guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. One, one of my favorite religious stories is, uh, and I say the favorite, but. I can't. I can't even name the characters in the story. So. That's okay. <laughs> I got you. I, I just. I'm horrible at detail retention. <laughs> but overall themes, yeah, I, I you know tend to hold on to them. Anyway, so my favorite religious story is of uh, a, a, a an ascetic in Russia mm-hmm. back in the times of the Tsars. So one of the one of the Tsars was going through going through Russia and doing kind of like just just 
awful atrocities of brutality and murder and all these things, right? But at the same time, being an Orthodox Christian is upholding the upholding the the calendar, the feasts, the fasts, yeah. the, the all that stuff, all the the religious stuff on top of it. And he wound up getting uh, accosted by a, by a monk uh, during the Great Fast, like during the fast before Easter, where everybody like Lent, yeah, yeah Lent, mm-hmm. you know. And, and I mean, we think Lent right now. We're like, oh, okay, you you fast a thing, or you you take a you know you, know, you give up doing elevators for 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 ninety <laughs> days so that you can like shed a couple extra pounds. But no, like the Orthodox, like they fucking do it. They go hard. They go hard on those fasts. It's no meat, like for the entire time, no meat, no certain. You're you're essentially and no meat sucks. Yeah, you're essentially. You you think it would be easy as a person who eats meat, and then you don't eat meat. You're like shit. I'm still hungry. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Like if you if you uphold the whole Orthodox calendar as far as feasts. You're essentially hard vegan for about forty percent of the year. Fuck that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean that's I mean that's a body control thing. Right? Yeah, yeah. Anyway, yeah, yeah. so in the middle of the Great Fast, this this monk like I, stops a parade for I think it was Ivan the Terrible. You know, like mm. stops stops like a, his procession naked <laughs> and takes a hunk of bloody steak and throws it at his feet. He's like there eat he's like how dare you like in the middle of the fast how dare you a monk like tell me to eat meat like right now like and he's like what you he's like well obviously the blood of the people isn't satiating you so here eat hmm He's like, man's got, <laughs> man's got stones. Yeah. yeah. How do you walk around with bowling balls? And you know, and like, this is the legs. guy that's like going into town and then leaving with 60 people on, on heads on pikes. Mm-hmm. Like, right. Like it's like, that was the whole deal. Like you went into this thinking, all right, I'm dying, but this is bullshit. Yeah. Everything. Everyone, someone who can cut through the cheese. Yeah. So yeah. like somebody who in some way can actually go to the man mm-hmm. and show them their absurdity with a, with a, with a, like a sense of immunity because like. Like at that point, you're like, in front of everybody, you expose what was going on and the absurdity of it, and then it clicks. Everybody sees what's happening. Yeah. So what, what, what happened to the monk? Did he just get fucked? He got a pass. He got a pass? He got a pass. Well, I, right. look, I, I was just waiting at to that see. in front of the crowd. He's like, if I kill this guy, I'm going to have a riot on my hands. Right? Yeah. And that's the beauty. That's the subversive beauty of it, too, right? Like, it's it's like you're, you're putting that guy's, like, you know, like, yeah, riot on your hands. Mm-hmm. Like everybody sees what's actually happening, and if you react poorly, if you react the way your flesh wants to, mm-hmm. then this whole, you know, like this whole car- tower of cards of power that you've set up for yourself of fear goes away. See, so it, you have you have to take that pill and swallow it. It sounds like Ivan didn't actually follow the Russian tradition of that of taking that man allowing him to commit suicide and put his own head on a pike because that's what they do in (laughs) Russia if you commit a crime you suicide and stab yourself in the back and dig your own grave (laughs) I I like Russia sometimes (laughs) quick quick little tangent I'll try to keep this as short as possible and not go on too far of a rabbit trail but in reference to veganism so I've been not transitioning to being vegan but I spend about I'd say about 50% of my week vegan now, give yeah. or take. Yeah. Mostly for health reasons, not because I have a, a, a supreme moral compunction to do so. <laughs> because I tried doing it cold turkey a while back. Bad yeah. idea. Yeah. Weaning off of it, it's been going great. Yeah. My mm-hmm. body can't tell the difference for the most part. 
but there's a really cool podcast that I can't recommend enough, uh, between, I don't know if you've ever heard of Earthling Ed. He's like a no. big time vegan advocate and writer and whatnot. I have a hard time. <laughs> yeah. But he does a podcast with Cosmic Skeptic, who's someone that I found via apologetics. But there's a, there's a very large cross section between, um, like modern grassroots apologetics or uh, counter apologetics, sorry. And veganism is a lot of them end up going vegan. There's a lot of correlation there yep. and a lot of intersectionality, but they do a podcast. Interviewing so they're each mad other. at God because they're hungry. And that's <laughs> why they're, that's <laughs> why they're angry. Most of them left time. God first, then transition to that. But yeah, <laughs> but they, they do a really cool thing so where they start turning vegan. You'll know something's wrong. Two vegans start pitching each other questions that they can't answer easily. Like, like one of the questions is, let's say you go to, to dinner with friends who aren't vegan and one of them orders a steak and doesn't finish it. Is it immoral to finish the steak? Mm. And they're like, well, we don't Ooh. eat meat for moral reasons, but the cow's already dead. Yeah, it's right. going to go in the trash. Yeah. Is it immoral? And it's really cool watching them put each other through these paces, giving each other these kind of paradoxical questions that don't have clear-cut answers. Yeah. It really shows the depth of... The, the kind of how... Um, that that sounds like somebody who's consciously aware of their own convictions and yes. moral implications <laughs> of the world. The they work uh, in. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's not... They're, they're willing to take, okay, this animal is dead. <coughs> now am I going to let this go to waste? Mm -hmm. Am I going to stand by and watch this, this life form mm -hmm. no longer matter to the point? Yeah, because yeah, yeah, like at that point, the meat is going to waste. It's, it's essentially being... Like there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's like a literal percentage of this animal that is killed for nothing unless somebody, you know, yeah, can receives... Can value of those calories. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and there's, there's other questions like, you know, if, if veganism is largely a desire to limit environmental harm, how do we justify eating unnecessary food? Any, like, any at all. Yeah, like, obviously we, we can justify imbibing enough calories <clears throat> to stay healthy and functional, but like, yeah. what about vegan chocolate? We don't need that. Yeah. But we like it yeah. and we still but, eat well, it. Yeah. So how much extra farming is happening in order to create that treat for you? Just Did you okay. At, at, at like a genocidal level. Exactly. I, I hate to give so much credit to Ted Nugent, but have you seen his thing when it comes to vegans? No. He's like, if you want to do more environmental damage to, to our planet, go vegan. Because you kill everything in order to make those 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 fields. To make mm. that food, yeah. you kill everything. What do I kill? One deer, one arrow. Like that's the I kill it, I, you know as as much as like Ted Nugent's kind of a dipshit in he a is, lot of ways, but, but I he's think, got a point. Well, it's a in, scale thing. That yeah, one deer might yeah. feed you. Yeah, but in, he, in, in in one thing though, like he's he's got at least that level of his belief is consistency. He's he's like no, like you should survive off of what you get. But not everybody can do that, but no. yeah. But to the degree though, like but like like large scale farming of any sort. Is yes. a it's a calculated yeah. societal like cost reward yeah. thing yes, that you but go. When, like when you have an or? entire nation of people pushing everyone out, like a nation within a nation pushing you to be, hey, you should eat healthier and eat more greens. Well, now we're pushing the green market, like green mm -hmm. foods, which are good for you to a certain level. But red meat and everything has the vitamins. It really does. It is good for you. Yes. I'm never going to argue that red meat is bad for you. It's bad for you in excess. Like, yeah, but like, like, like vegetables are bad for you in excess. Yeah. You can have too much of that. Exactly. And there's, I don't know the specifics on it because I'm not too deep into it. Most, most of my desire to transition to a vegan diet is less of a moral one and more of a health one for myself. But 
the amount of like square footage or, or not square footage, but like the, the, the cubic, um, what's the measurement, but how much greenhouse gas is made via farming for a person as opposed to a person eating meat skews towards the greenery. The problem is that the scale looks really bad when you look at, you know, like a field of soybeans, which are really rough on the environment when yeah. you grow them. But we don't need that much soy. No but one we grow does. that much soy because it allows us to make these fake beef patties that sell really good, even though nutritionally not that great. No. And they don't taste that great. No. They but, raise your estrogen and yeah, they're, but they're, they're just... They're a fad thing. Yeah. And that's the frustrating side of it. Like, veganism in its purest form is, is objectively better for the planet, but there's so much corporate bullshit that's now been piggybacked onto it yeah. that it's kind of killed the whole purpose behind it. Because now it's, it's the same thing with a different coat of paint, where it is mass production of red meat to feed a country that eats way too much red meat. Now we have mass production of certain specific ingredients to make certain specific dishes. That For a country that eats much. way too much of those ingredients. Exactly. Yeah. There's, there's you're so you're trading one, de one devil for the other without, you know, it's the same devil. Exactly. And it, yeah. so it's, it's so frustrating to see people, again, just like with apologetics, lacking any nuance in that conversation. Yeah. It's okay. Like my roommate will come in and he'll be like, oh yeah, but have you seen how much uh, farmland is destroyed? Think of all the critters that die in processing and growing all those crops. It's like, yes, because of... So much of that is unnecessary because, yeah. again, we're feeding into this whole consumerist but, pile of crap. And, but that's why you, I really do think people need to be very balanced <clears throat> in the way they approach things. Oh, yeah. Why, never be all on one side. Never. It's not a good place to be. You need to be balanced. You need to have these nuanced yeah. discussions mm -hmm. of, okay, what is better for me in this moment? Well, maybe I'm not eating enough meat. Mm -hmm. because it's yeah. fucking expensive or maybe i need more vegetables because otherwise i'll get gangrene and die mm -hmm. like <laughs> there there is an, like, an argument to be made yeah. on both sides but these people who go oh i'm gonna go straight carnivore good for you you can afford carnivore and i, I can't. can't afford that i can't yeah. afford that and shit like, and this is why i don't and i love bread <laughs> i love talking about apologetics and i will shit talk bad apologetics till the day i die but i will never utilize counter apologetics to try and push people that i care about or even just interact with to 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 deconvert yeah unless i think they're doing something like truly unhealthy but that's less to do with the religion and more to do with just being unhealthy yeah <sighs> some people this isn't to say they're incapable like they're lesser than this isn't meant to imply that but i think a lot of the reason that there's kind of a an assumption that atheists don't really believe in anything or don't have any values or any crap like that because they don't have a higher authority to base those values on. I think that some people need that higher authority yep. to be the bedrock for those values. And I think that's okay. Like I don't, assuming those values aren't directly harming other people, which yep. sometimes they do and should be spoken out against. I'm, I'm okay with people's values being based off of that. Yeah. I feel more comfortable not basing my values on a higher authority and rather having to construct them myself. I like building my own foundation there, yeah, but, but I have to put in the work to do it. But I think one of the issues that a lot of Christians could come to, be, uh, to go against to rebut that mm -hmm. is you are basing your values on something. There has to, it has to have, it has to butt up against something. No. And, no what I'm saying is what you find, you, you may find yourself butting up against is not not um, God, but or something bigger, but culture. 
And so you need to, because if, if your values butt up against culture too much, culture is going to fucking eat you alive. They're going to be like, hey, you're doing it wrong. I mean, culture is going to do that to anyone and everyone uh, over some things, inevitably. Yes. And that's kind of unavoidable. And I'm not going to build my, my moral bedrock in an effort to avoid that. That's kind of just unavoidable. Yeah. That those waves are going to crash up against yeah. it. Well, so so one thing I like, uh, one thing that I like talking to Christians about, uh, or at least poking and prodding to see mm-hmm. if I can discern like through through conversation with them, because not everybody can articulate it just flat out. But like with the Christian, like you have to to understand like why they react some ways. It's not just enough to be like, oh, because you're a Christian, because not every Christian believes exactly the same way, mm-hmm. right? So. I kind of asked them like, well, what's your, what's your hermeneutic for life? Like what, what is the way that you, what is the lens by which you interpret, like say Holy scripture? Mm-hmm. Like, cause that'll tell me a lot about how you, that'll tell me a lot about how you, mm-hmm. you know, the knock on effects going down. Right. Like it's kind of like looking for the epistemological filter by which they process information and come up with their mori- morals mm-hmm. and, and I guess philosophy of life. So I guess for you, like, mm-hmm. what's your hermeneutic? What's, what's your, what's your filter for your philosophy of life that gives you the form for determining morale, morals yourself? Uh, harm reduction. Okay. I can never eliminate the fact that I'll do harm to people. In- inevitably certain decisions that I make, <coughs> things that I eat, actions that I, I do or things that I say are going to hurt people. That's kind of a, a given. I can never truly eliminate it. But I kind of try to try to live by the function of re- reducing how much harm I can do as much as reasonably possible, whether that's through the things I consume, whether that's through the hobbies that I partake in, my interactions with people around me. It, it all kind of boils down to that harm reduction. I mean, that was a large part of... A lo- it's, it's really weird and backwards. A large part of why I left the faith without really realizing it mm-hmm. was actually C.S. Lewis, which is kind of backwards. Wow. <laughs> but it was C.S. Lewis, specifically Mere Christianity and the Screwtape Letters. I really love those books. I don't agree with a lot he has to say in them, but I really like them. But where they generally make a moralistic argument for the existence of God, so like, I'm, I'm, pro- I'm probably bastardizing this. There's like a chain of it's logic. It's okay, I do it all the time. Yeah, there's like a chain <laughs> of logic, which is that... That's why we're blue collar. <laughs> yeah, we have morals... Our morality comes from God, therefore God must exist. It's kind of like a, a really... It's a loose change. I would, yeah. yeah, I'd say if you're going to look at it like in in a simple aphorism, yes. I mean, it's, it's good enough for 30,000 yeah. foot. It, yeah. It's a really baked down, stripped down thing. But my problem was that I look at certain things that God has done and I find them immoral. And so if I have morality that doesn't come from God, then maybe God doesn't exist. So I had to re calibrate what determines my morality because I'm not getting Mm. it from him because I see things that he's done that I find deeply immoral or if he had existed things that he's done things that he is proposed to have done Mm -hmm. the the, the thing is the the church perpetuates by the by the preaching of the the scriptures as they are yes they are they're taking into account okay we're taking these scriptures into account and uh Attributing them to our faith today, so yes. but not not just simply if or whether or not they did happen, but the church is grabbing these genocidal stories. <coughs> Excuse me. 
and contributing them to to your faith as you could experience it today or live it out. And so, yeah, I, I think there is a, something to be said for I, I uh, my brother-in-law rips on Switzerland all the time. Right. Uh, he's like because they still worked with um, they they worked with they Germany. They worked with the Nazis. They, they worked they with the Nazis. A lot of ammunition right. and stuff. Yeah. And while simultaneously <laughs> proclaiming to be neutral, and and so he he does this, and I'm like, you are you angry at God? He's like, what? He's like, well, he's he's very much like Switzerland. He kind of stands on the outside and lets a lot of bad things happen. In fact, I'm pretty sure there's Christians on both sides of this argument mm-hmm. uh, when it comes to the the Nazis and all that other stuff that's happening. I'm like, in yeah. this world, like, yeah, if, if there is a, a case to be made of Jesus, he or God is God, but he allows absolute evil to happen. Yeah, and, and so yeah, seeing that that if if I allowed the same level of evil to happen, like. God does, I'd be considered a bad person. Right. And if I was capable and able to change something, yeah, I get it. And that's the like that that's the second half to the 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 idea behind negative negative atheism for me is that I don't have any evidence for God existing, and so I'm happy to continue my life as if he doesn't exist. Still being as moral as I can be within reason. Obviously I make mistakes, I'm not perfect. Um but if it turns out that he does exist, kind of the, the second level to that is that I don't think I could follow him if he did. Even if he, if there was you know, immutable proof that God did exist. Mm-hmm. Knowing, assuming we wrote with any accuracy about his exploits in the Bible, I could never justify following him. I'd be like, okay, cool, I guess I'm burning in hell now because... Yeah. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna hop on the bandwagon for that. I can't do it. Yeah. So even if he was real, it, it doesn't really change. It doesn't change my plan of action okay. in the slightest. Yeah. Well, that's fair. And I was there for a fair bit of time mm-hmm. in in kind of that same spot. Like, for me, I, I don't. I don't know if this is right or wrong. Like, I wouldn't. I wouldn't try to use this as a checkmate thing. Mm-hmm. But I realized for myself, I'm like, I am wanting and requiring God to be arbitrary Hmm. to, to appease what I think should be done. Because like, I mean, if I was in that position, I would do this Mm -hmm. without assuming that I am somebody with a very, very limited purview. Like if you gave me the keys to the kingdom and said, run the country, I'd fucking ruin it with everything (laughs) that I said. Yes. This is, this is how you would do it. This is the moral way to run the country. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, like I would create an absolute disaster. Yeah. Uh, because I would be arbitrary. <laughs> Very true. And I, I, I don't want to run anything for that exact reason. In, is, yeah. So in, in that way, when I, when I look at that, when I, when I was thinking about that reason why I was struggling with the concept of God, mm-hmm. that was one of the things where I'm like, okay, I'm like, I, I am taking this tact because I want God to be arbitrary. Mm-hmm. Instead of, instead of allowing God, you know, and like, this is a hard thing to talk about as theory, because Mm -hmm. like, for me as a Christian, I see God as a person, a personality, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, that's, that's embedded in this story and tradition that I've inherited. Mm -hmm. So that's different than hypothetical fairy in the sky. Yes. Who, you know, runs everything, how, you know. You know, so there, there's a story. There's a, there's a, not just a set of rules, but also 
a set in motion thrust of mm-hmm. of everything that that we're engaging with too and also has an element of well frankly the demonic of mm-hmm. you know of enemy of of forces working to subvert and work against against god and so looking at all that i'm i just look and i'm like okay there's an overall story here that if I like, I don't think God can be arbitrary for without you know just everything being willy nilly topsy turvy, mm. you know almost like like you think about Thanos you know in in uh, Infinity Wars when like somebody pulls a trigger <coughs> and like bubbles come out of the gun yeah right yeah. like it's it's like well at that point nothing in the world is working in any way that we can function yeah in any way in. So like I like to so that's one of the things I struggle with demanding God be arbitrary for for a sense of well I know how this should work therefore God can't be real because this is immoral. No, I'm I'm butchering I'm butchering where I'm at. I I think I get what you're saying. I don't I don't feel that God needs to align with my sense of morality for me to follow Him. If if he's a truly good God, I would hope that if he does exist, and if at the end of time he looks down on me and he sees that I was trying to do what I thought was best, mm-hmm. whether in his eyes or not, it's fun. So you're when I showed up here, Mike, your, your wife was reading The Horse and His Boy by C.S. Lewis to the kids. Yep. One of my favorite bits is from The Last Battle, where uh, Aslan's talking to the Pev- I think it was the Pevensies. And he's explaining how any person that does good works in Tash's name follows me, and any man who does terrible things in my name follows Tash. It kind of bucks the the idea of a core part of Christianity, especially evangelical Christianity, being having a relationship with God and having you know to, to give over your life to Him. But if at the end of time he looks down and he sees that I was trying to do the very best that I could do, yeah, yeah. I feel like that should be as worthy as, not as worthy as having a relationship with him. But that's that's a works based view. That's that's saying okay. I'm hoping that my works are enough. No, it is not saying I'm hoping my works. Do no, enough. I, I'm it's, not hoping okay, my works yeah, to be okay, enough. Okay, yeah, it's no. Saying um, that you know, a, a, sorry, a, I, did, I did exactly what happened to what I had. <laughs> See, my I, intentions. I have this good. idea of. Living as if there is no heaven, and then, uh, <laughs> and then somebody's like, "Oh, that sounds like a workspace," and I did the same thing to you and apologize. Uh, That's all right. Yeah, no, I just need to recognize when I'm I'm, I'm uh, speaking off rote and not actually taking mm-hmm. the time to listen. So I'm, what I'm hearing is, you're hoping that you're c- living by the convictions that God has given you, because I do believe that God gives us our convictions. If Yes. If he is who he says he is, and we live the life and and do this, we uh, if living by your convictions, even though they may not align with the relationship with Jesus, that the life you live with reducing harm mm-hmm. would I mean, give you. Uh, I have to not assume, allowance, but <laughs> I have to assume that there is a certain level of forgiveness handed down by God 
for people who don't have a relationship with him because there's people out in the world that will well, never hear of him. Well, look yeah. at what, what he said on the cross as he was dying. Forgive them for they know what, not what exactly. they do. He was speaking to the people who literally killing him, th- killing him. Yeah, and mocking him while doing it. And mocking him, (laughs) saying, forgive them, because they know what else to do. They're doing it. They're Mm. saying, no, we know what we're doing. And he's like, no, you don't. Obviously, there's a certain level of, there's a difference there, because (laughs) I know all about him. And I'm still choosing not not to follow him by name. But as you say, it's not by works that if, if it ends up that he exists at the end of, at the day of judgment, but more if he can look at the intent behind what I did. If he gave me those convictions and I followed them, I don't think it should matter that I did it with his brand on it, yeah. but that I, I did it. Yeah. If I had convictions and ignored them, that would be another thing. If I was actively uh, uh, maligning those convictions just for personal gain or yeah. or for some... Um, um, Nefarious means. Yeah, that would be a totally different ball game. Yeah. But I feel like... Like, I mean, really, the 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 functionality of my life hasn't really changed much. Mm-hmm. In fact, I would, I would argue that it has become more, more, um, air quotes for those appro- appropriate, uh, appropriate within God, uh, God's eyes since leaving the church, because I don't feel like there's an undue pressure. Like I'm doing it, uh, uh, dishonestly. Yeah. Disingenuously. Yeah. Disingenuously. Yeah. At least I'm doing it honestly now. Yeah. And I would argue with a couple of things that are pretty explicitly not kosher. <laughs> For the most part, my life is probably more pure now than it has ever been. Okay. In my relationship to substances, to how I manage my time, to my relationships with people. Definitely. Substantially more healthy than it used to be, how I manage my relationships with people. And so I would hope that he would have that, he would be able to have that view on it. And if he doesn't, I'm not going to feel bent out of shape if it doesn't work out. I don't know if I'll resent God for not agreeing with what I think is, well, is right it, and just. It depends on the reality of hell, really. Mm-hmm. I think that would really determine how I feel about it. Because if I was like, okay, I didn't live the way I should have that that, that that meets that standard. But if hell is conscious eternal torment, that's really going to suck. Yeah, that's going to suck. <laughs> but if, if you go on the Chris Date side of thing of the annihilationism... Oh, I mean, I would prefer I, I, that I'm, to anything. I'm, I'm fine with that. I feel like I'm only <laughs> like 32 years old, and I feel so tired. About time, I feel like by the time I hit like 80-ish years old, I'm just going to be ready for annihilation. <laughs> if God's like, oh yeah, heaven is just a permanent nap, I'll be like, oh, thank God. Well, it even, even talks about hell. Well, heaven is, is, is eternity, but mm-hmm. in the perfect body, in a new world, without any constrictions of... Uh, I don't know, sin, cake, constrictions of sin and, and guilt, yeah. where, and hell is literally nothing. You you are destroyed. Your spirit is destroyed. And I'm like, oh, that, does, that, that, that doesn't sound so awful. That doesn't <laughs> sound that, uh, yes, I mean, it'll be bad. To me, uh, to me, that, like, to me, it seems like, a, like a, a good decision to make. Like, if that was the decision to make, like, if, you know, you kind of came to the crossroads where, like, I mean, you can just, you know, dissolve into nothing. Mm-hmm. And and that's that. It's or, a good place. Yeah, or, or or go on in living everlasting in a state of utopia. It's like I mean I I think that's a pretty fair deal for anybody to to pick either, like, I'll roll those either dice. road. I'll, I'll stick to my guns and do what I believe is right. And if I get to the end and he's like, Nah, you didn't make it, and I'll be like, Hey, at least I did it. You know, 
a little at least I nature. did it my way. Exactly. Exactly. At least <laughs> the I can flames have, I can, start consuming you. <laughs> I can have my head held high at the end of it all, even if it if it doesn't work out. If if it yeah. turns out turns out the pearly gates are real and I get turned down, I'll be like, yeah, you know what? I I gave it my best shot. And I can, uh, I can say that with Did you with ever listen? You ever listen See, to Hopson? I, I I worry about. Oh, it's been a hot minute. He had this one song. Uh, Ill mind. Not a song. It's a diatribe to a beat. Yes. Does, oh, he's yeah. not okay. even. He's not even trying. I to apologize. <laughs> Ill mind seven. I think the one with the yeah. desert. Yeah. Everything. It's oh, fucking it's awesome. So good. It's so good because he he just he breaks down. All of his See, I tried. And I tried to like it, like especially like when I was in that mode of like deconstructing, figuring it out, losing my faith. Somebody was like, "Oh man, you would really like this," and I tried. I'd really tried to is, like it. I'm like, man, this guy is just a it's a bitch. Well, he's I angry. fucking hate him. I like just like listening to that whole thing. It's, I can't have a beer I, with this guy. I enjoyed it. I think he'd be a hard guy to have a beer with. I'm, yes. I'm pretty sure I could do this with him like, for like an hour. I didn't. I didn't enjoy it. I'm like. This is such service level bullshit. <laughs> like, well, and he, is not representative of of of, like, of said, my wrestling with faith oh, at yeah. all. No, but, but, but like, but, you're mad at God, so you can't beat off. Get over yourself, <laughs> piece of shit. Well, this is a thing that like I've noticed I now, enjoyed it, and now, I wasn't even going through that shit. <laughs> I mean, I like it just because it's. I appreciate it as a, as a as a as an expression of raw yeah. emotion, even if I don't agree with it. I yeah. appreciate it for the art- artistic effort that went into no, it, but like, there's no fucking artistic <laughs> effort there. I, I, you can, you can express that sentiment and have it be a beautiful song of struggle of things, but I mean, it's not a song. There's no, he's not even trying to do his craft there. He's just, he it's, went to a it's microphone. Poetry and, music. <laughs> Good. I would argue it's not even poetry, but anyway, I mean, such a subjective thing. Anywho, um. <laughs> Where was I? Oh yeah. So now that I've been engaging more in in Hobson. atheistic spaces and encounter apologetic spaces, especially people that I know that have have left the faith, I'll, like so many of them carry a, a substantial resentment towards it. Well, it's mm-hmm. a tribalism, man. I mean, part of it is tribalism. Part of it is like I, I feel very genuinely like um, I won't name names, but I have one friend, and they they spent their whole life just steeped in church culture and then when they finally left it they have they've have had to go on this whole long journey of learning all these new things about themselves that they were just not allowed to ever even con- like even consider exploring like yeah. things okay. like their sexuality I mean, that's, that's a f- I, I, I suppose that's a, f- a fair thing you know it, yeah if you're if you're mad about that it's okay but it's not like any like other people don't have things that they grow up with and are like, I need to learn a whole new version of myself because oh, yeah, you know, like happens. I grew and changed. Like that's that's not I something that's a, just inherent to religion. No, but depending on the religion that they're involved in, and, and in their and, case, and particularly, in the, and in the community, like, yeah, I mean, there, there and in is their that case, too. it was very much legalistic and restrictive, and yeah. so there's a lot of resentment because of that because they felt like they were contained within this box for no valid reason. Yeah. But but now you get to experience it as a relatively mature adult and not a kid <laughs> that's yeah, like struggling with your hormone issues and, Just, this you is know, and all the, these things too, right? Like, the, I mean, there's kind of like a, there's mm-hmm. almost a hidden blessing there in getting to experience things for the first time in a context like maybe apart from yeah. even being in your home or things like that, right? But like there's certain things that like. Uh, 
I guess I'm just trying to be half glass half full. Yeah. (laughs) And that's a lot how, like, that's largely how I tend to feel sometimes because I I don't have that as a general rule. I mean, there's a a couple of things that I had to have kind of pseudo repressed, but I don't even think they were repressed because I didn't even consider them at the time. Whereas in their case, they're things that they had thought about and had considered, but they just assumed that was, you know, Satan or, or a demonic entity or sinful thoughts or whatever. And then there's this constant, never-ending internal turmoil as they fight this thing that just ended up being part of who they are. I mean, when they're told their whole life that their sexuality is sinful in nature and is wrong and not correct and they need to fix it, it's just who they are. It's a part of them as a person. And now they have to learn to accept it and they're dealing with all that resentment. It's something that I have to try to empathize with because I don't I don't share that I don't share that resentment. Because again, my lifestyle hasn't changed in any major way since leaving. Part of that being that I had parents that were generally really open to me <clears throat> exploring and learning mm-hmm. inside and outside of the faith. But that's not the same for everyone. And so that I have to I have to keep like a certain level of uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I have to keep space to kind of understand that for some people it was a, a supremely repressive environment to grow up in. And that inevitably is going to color their opinion of apologetics and of, and of Christendom. Like, I mean, the video that I shared on Facebook, that guy, I don't think he mentions it in that video, but he does in another one. Uh, he's ex-Jehovah's Witness. So he's got a whole lot to be pissed about. <laughs> he yeah. got screwed out of so all much birthdays. of life. All of his birthdays, his first Christmas was when he was like 28 years old or something. Like, like he's got so yeah. much to be mad Who's about. A Santa guy? I, yeah, I, I suppose that's fair. And so I have so much, so much respect for how level-headed he can be. Like, just thinking about all of that, like, I would be so fucking mad. I would be just like pitchforks to the sky mad about somebody screwing me out of that much of my life. Yeah, the, the the growing experiences, the failure. Exactly. The, the, you know, you're just disappointed with everything all the time instead of actually, you yeah. know, being disappointed with a shitty <laughs> gift because your parents hyped it up too much. <laughs> like, that's the worst I ever got was getting hyped for a gift and it not being what I wanted. That that was like the worst Christmas experience I had. Yeah, but what, yeah, that's the worst. I'm sorry, but never tell your kids what, even close. It's like, oh, you're really going to like, you're going to fucking light a car. No. <laughs> my favorite, my favorite Christmas memory was... We got my dad, I mean, you say we, my mom got it. We got him like a big snap-on rolling toolbox Ooh. that he had wanted for so long. It was a big gift. We had say, like, it was it was the Christmas gift. Yeah. And Christmas morning, we're deciding who should open presents first. And I'm just like, Dad, 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 you should open your toolbox. <laughs> like 11-year-old Will let the cat out of that bag real quick. Uh-huh. But came back around and bit me in the ass because this year, we got my, my, my parents, specifically my mother, we got her like a photo shoot, like family photos and everything. We paid yeah, for yeah. those. You better believe a couple of days before it happens, I'm talking to her. Like, what are you wearing for the photo shoot, mom? <laughs> <laughs> some things never change, right? Yeah, some things never change. <laughs> so how many years did they like keep that going? Like, hey, Will, you going to tell everyone what he got what? again? Every Christmas. Every Christmas. Every Christmas I get reminded. <laughs> but yeah, like, I, I, I have uh, so much... Great traditions. I have so much respect for people who can manage what must be an intense amount of I don't even want to necessarily say anger but very intense feelings around that like there's got to be so much confusion even things like they don't know about like I can only imagine what it must be like to look after leaving a, a super legalistic or strict religious environment and to look back 
and not only see the things that you didn't get to experience and are frustrated about, but then you probably have this niggling feeling in the back of your head for the rest of your life. Like, <clears throat> what else did I miss out on that I just don't know I missed out on? Like, it, are there things, like, like core pieces of being a person in modern society that I'm just never going to clue into because I just skipped over it and everybody else experienced so it. So there's, they're never going to bring it up because it's just so normal to them. Well, that's why they have the churches religions judaism has the rite of passage when it comes to becoming a man you're 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 put in the ceremony jews a lot of old religions they have so many ceremonial things mm. because there are these moments that you experience as a young life, person yeah, that life are all markers and life markers like some people hunting that was the becoming a man you know no now you taken a life and now you need to see it and experience it and go through this mm -hmm. and so there are these these turning points that a lot of people don't get to have i didn't get to have the killing well i killed things but you know nothing i can yeah brag about to my <clears> friends <throat> it was a really big squirrel uh but <laughs> it's having to deal with the the loss of life and mm -hmm. and kind of this these things that yeah if you missed out on this and it's like I never learned how to fail. I never yeah. learned how to do these things because mm. I never got to experience yeah. it. I mean, like, I mean, there's, there's various levels to that too, right? Like growing up here, like I could be really bitter about not getting the chance to experience like a metropolis style lifestyle, mm. yeah. you know, or Fuck things like that, right? Like I'd be like, well, why didn't we live somewhere cool? Mm -hmm. It's, I mean, there, there's always, you know, you're always going to be rich in something and poor in something else. Yeah. Yeah. And that's fair. And, and you can be upset about that too, but it's not a really healthy thing to just live in that bitterness. Like, oh, yeah, no, and I've been, that, I've been wrestling with that huge the, in the last few months regarding our time after leaving the club. Yeah. <clears throat> right. Like we were part of this all encompassing thing for so long. And yeah, it's not the same thing as like growing up in a legalistic yeah. you know, home for 20 years. And but still, it's a big know, chunk of your life. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, seven a, years it's a big, over. it's a big chunk of my life. And I was, I was getting to this point where I was really resenting missing on seven years of other shit I could be doing. Like, yeah. yeah. And I was, it was like at that, but it was getting to the point where like, it was availing me no benefit mm -hmm. to be so angry and disappointed and then ignoring the blessings that came with it. <laughs> like oh yeah, ignoring, there so many. You know, like, it's like, how can I, how can I denigrate the opportunity to, to ride in Newfoundland with you and my brother-in-law? Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, like, you know, like going to the ocean, like to, to the point, to point You rock. dipped your feet in and it was, <clears throat> I'm, I'm pretty sure it was horribly cold weather at yeah. that time. You know, like e even with the guy that, even with the guy that ultimately like caused me to leave the club, like, looking back on some of the real honest good moments that came from it and that was i was to the point where i was even looking at those being like no that was fake that wasn't yeah. real that was that was all fugazi no there was real stuff and i need to be able to look back on those things charitably mm -hmm. for myself and i mean i i res i understand like when you when you make a drastic life change you can look back on all the things you missed mm -hmm. And it's really easy to ignore all the things that you gained or got. Well, and this is where I have like the utmost respect for anyone who can, who can do that, who can, who can take what would be so easy to be resentful about and turn it into something beneficial or constructive or, or healing or, or whatever adjective you want to apply to it, but something positive Yeah, who can grow through that. 
Well, I think one of the biggest issues that we find ourselves doing is be allowing that to be our complete and utter identity. Mm. That's what we do as Christians. As a Christian, my identity is in Christ. So mm. when you have that, it's something foundational. When I was part of a motorcycle a motorcycle organization, I I was this. I was I was a big dick when I walked into some rooms. You could see heads turn riding down the street. You could like there was big dick energy when it came to to being part of an organization like that even though some people maybe it was all in my own head or big pussy energy don't big be pussy. sexist <laughs> big <laughs> genital energy tight tight pussy there energy. you go big <laughs> genital energy <laughs> bigger tight whichever is better in the moment uh, i'm just i'm just saying i'm not pushing i'm not pushing an 8 pound watermelon <laughs> through the tip of my dick <laughs> not there's, there's a power they have that that i don't with with all that, we have this identity of this is what I am, and when when you choose to walk away from that, there's a foundational shift. Mm -hmm. And if you've ever seen a house fall come off its foundation, it's never a it's a violent thing. Mm -hmm. And unless you're willing to do it super calculated, unless you're doing it intentionally, it's going to it's suck. It's gonna hurt. It's mm -hmm. gonna hurt unless yeah. you're doing it hyper conscious. You need to be. Maybe thinking of what yeah. does this change in my life? What is this going to mean shifting off this foundation onto something else? And if you do it recklessly, you're not you're not going to come out of it unscathed. And this is why I sit here with like these these big big Bambi eyes at this sort of thing cuz like I don't I have never experienced anything of that magnitude. Yeah. In whether stepping away from something societally or or something that I grew up in, like stepping out of the faith for me was like changing what kind of clothes I wear. It was kind of a, a non-committal thing. I didn't do much. I mean, I, yeah. I go to church now again because I just enjoy hanging out with a bunch of people that are there yeah. and, and learning new skills and socializing. But for some people, it was a major paradigm shift, like you guys leaving the club or, or like some people leaving the church. And yeah. yeah, to be honest, that probably would have been a bigger paradigm shift for me than if I <laughs> ultimately stayed in apostasy. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And so like on one hand, as far as as far as the real life day to day, mm -hmm. yeah. And on one hand, I'm so empathetic to the idea that there must be just so much raw emotion caught up in that in that 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 vacuum of space now that you have to manage and and learn to fill yourself. That something else was filling, whether you wanted it to or not. And on the other hand, I have the utmost respect as well for people who can take that space and fill it with something beneficial and good whatever that may be well that's what we're doing here honestly like this this podcast mm. it's it's it is a bit it was of a, very much a it a was balm, born a balm to the wound <laughs> like yeah, it, it was. was it was a way of I coping mean, these these we've been thinking about it for years though before that <laughs> like, yeah and like and these friends that are they're going through their journey i've been i've been so lucky to get to tag along like a lot of my learning about philosophy and apologetics has been riding the coattails of them because for them i think a lot of what they've done is Digging into worldviews and things because they've never really had a choice in what their worldview is. And so now they're absorbing every yeah. choice they can and trying to pick and find the, the one that most aligns with the way make, they feel their the heart. And to, right be honest, to be mm. honest, like I look look looking at that, I think good. Good for you. Exactly. E even at, even as a Christian, I'm not worried about you. I, I'm not worried about anybody that's pursuing truth in an honest way. Yeah. It's it's kinda like Yes, like you, in fact, like some people may need to lose their faith. <laughs> like I, I certainly well, think because they don't actually have, have it, it's a problem. 
Everyone needs they, to have it shaken, have oh, that yeah. foundation rocked, and, and and have to deal with a crisis because like that. then you know what you can endure. If you've exactly. never been shaken, in you, some ways, in know. some ways, it's a, it's almost like a little bit of a rite of passage in order to grow mm-hmm. as a person is to suffer epistemological loss. And like, yeah. right? Like, I mean, but and they, that, that may manifest need... itself in a way of losing somebody who you dearly, dearly love. It may, like, it may manifest itself in different ways, mm-hmm. but getting to the point where you experience something that makes you that makes you fundamentally question your base assumptions about everything mm-hmm. is a good thing. And yeah. Because, yeah. like, yeah, like, at that point, whatever you get to on the other side isn't something you just inherit. It's something you choose. Yeah, yep. like, and I don't want to. I don't want to glorify surviving trauma as some sort of like great thing. But at the well, same I mean, time, like, like I mean, no, trauma no, is a fact is. of life. Yeah, yeah. And I, but I it's a, it's dealing with it in a healthy way is what I sh- exactly. is what I respect. Managing trauma is like the greatest hallmark, I think, of a well developed person. Like, because yeah. you can you can take the same situation and you can you and, and it can be something that sends you into a hole of despair mm. that turns you rather from a well developed adult into like like a little hellish creature. Yeah, <laughs> like, right. Yeah. Yes. Look at relationships. Like, how do you trust a couple that never argues? Mm-hmm. No, no, they're lying. Yeah, if you haven't had an argument and having like the foundations of your relationship tested at least once, then how much can you really trust it if it hasn't been put to task? Mm-hmm. Not that I want anyone to have their relationship put to task or tested. Well, it's like a kid, a kid losing a game. Yeah, it sucks, but he needs to lose. He needs mm-hmm. to learn how to lose. Yeah. And until he learns how to lose, he's mm-hmm. not going to be a good winner. Mm-hmm. And the same thing with a relationship that's never had to fight for anything. Well, then you're not actually being real. You're not being genuine because you're mm-hmm. not putting forth your true ideas. Because your ideas should butt up. You shouldn't agree on everything. If you agree, you'll get bored and then you'll lead to even other chaos. Because you're yeah. going to be like, oh, they just agree with me all the time. I wish I had something. Oh, you smash a chair like just because to make something pud, like happen. Like the Duffel Puds and the Dawn Treader. Speaking of, <laughs> <speaking> of Narnia. <laughs> I fucking love that chapter with the duffel buds. Oh, it's so good. I don't even know what you're talking. My wife's okay. been reading it to the, the kids. It's the invisible guys that jump so around they're, one they're, foot. They're little oh, invisible right. one-footed dwarves. Right. That I I they've, they've got a little leader, and he says the most banal things on the planet, and all the rest of them just agree implicitly. Like, oh, it's like, I always said the ocean's really wet. Yeah, quite right. Never said a truer thing. The ocean, he is the smartest one of us all. <laughs> You know, and like any anybody that said something, they would just automatically, unthinkingly affirm it with yeah. whole heart. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> and it's like to be like I, I see that I'm like, oh my gosh, yeah, I've been that guy, and yeah. I see people like that. Yeah, it's I, I like remember it's, it's seeing very... it in you. I was like, what? Huh? Because I butted up against stuff, and you mm-hmm. were like, hold on, and I'm like, no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, there's sometimes that I did that because I felt duty to do it, and yeah. sometimes where it was like actually being like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I no, always I... said the air air is great for breathing, <laughs> oh, the best. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the smartest of us all. <laughs> yeah. Germany Quite. has the whitest snow, super white, whiter than all others. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah, but you can be. I mean, and there's there's nothing wrong with being an innocent dumb duffel butt in in some way, right? Like, it, it, in moments, at, at some point, yeah, at some point, God is gonna grow you up or mm-hmm. life or whatever. Oh, I mean, like I, I mean, sometimes I slip into just using that language as this, as 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 uh, if it's an uh, assumption, but I'm sure I'll forgive you someday. 
<laughs> Not I, today. <laughs> you know, you know. Well, of all the people I know, you're going to have the the least awful hell. Oh, thank you, thank you. <laughs> It'll be quick and mostly painless, but it will be still painful. I'll get the smallest pineapple up my rectum. <laughs> it won't be sideways at all. L- little nickel. High, high compliment. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know where I was going. <laughs> I don't know some of those little creatures and God. Letting yeah, well, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Everybody has that that time of of kind of dumb innocence where you're just you you affirm things you're around, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there, there comes a time when you grow out of it, where you where you gain wisdom. And there's something to be said. There's something to be said for somebody who desires wisdom wherever it draws them. Mm. Mm-hmm. You know, well, and and I respect that. Wasn't that a little bit of what Nietzsche was doing? Is he's the ultimate pursuit of truth, and realizing where it leads when it comes to questioning in a lot of areas of of. I don't know how much Nietzsche have you read. Not enough. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, it's this idea. Uh, Apes don't read Nietzsche. <laughs> That's right. There's, there's some argue, <laughs> some Sorry, people man. argue that, that the death of God was a, a proclamation, not a, not a, a celebration. Mm. And, and so it was the ultimate pursuit that led to his death because they were pursuing truth to a detrimental effect of being like, if we can understand all things, well, what do we need God for? Mm. And so it, it's a worrisome way to live because it... It, yeah, I don't know. It might lose. I, I worry about the loss of hope for anything greater than self. I mean, <clears throat> it sounds kind of dour and 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 depressing in like in in barefaced terms. But I, I don't really have a lot of <clears throat> a lot of hope for myself. I think I'm a a, a very small cog in a very big machine. Yeah. Um, and I don't have like. I don't assume that I'm going to make some big splash or big change in the society around me, but if I can be a positive change in the immediate surrounding, I feel like that inevitably kind of ripples outwards. Yeah. I have no no grandiose assumptions that I'm going to be some some great catalyst for change for the world. But you just said a cog I, I, in a machine. Love... Have you ever seen a machine with one missing cog? Well, it falls apart. It fucking doesn't work. So exactly. as, as much yeah. as we are, we may be just one part in something so yeah. much grander. Mm-hmm. If we're not doing our part, it's, it's, oh, there, there's, there's a, a, there's, a there's a line. Speaking of Sue's Lewis, there's a line in The Great Divorce that just gets me. Like you know, it's you know uh, Lewis encounters his hero George MacDonald. You know, and uh, he says like. Fame works differently in heaven. <laughs> like it's it's not a like you know we we th- in some ways we almost like see like oh I have to do these things on earth in order to be great in heaven, hmm. and it's kind of like the inverse is true where it's the smallest and most innocent in some ways is the most magnified. Mm-hmm. You know, and and if you if you can live that way now is of real virtue. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that's why I spend so much time <clears throat> focusing on, like you say, finding truth and focusing inwards on what, what can I improve inwards? Cause I'm not, I don't want to focus on, on my outward effect to everyone else. But if I focus inward and make myself the best I can be, that's going to bleed out. Yeah. Like, I feel like that. I feel like it's going to get the best, uh, uh, return for investment. 
mm-hmm. on my time and effort. Yeah. And, and that's like for me in my faith and in, in this one, I'm really asserting faith. Mm-hmm. That's, that's how I like to think of heaven. It's not reward for works done here or reward for being God's favorite or reward for saying, yes, I believe that, that you existed and died on the cross. It's, it's not a reward for like essentially alignment and mental assent to, mm-hmm. to a statement as much as it's as above, so below. Mm. And heaven isn't a reward for all the things you do right now, as much as the way that you, the way that you will interact with eternity is the way you're interacting, interacting with life now. Mm. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's a continent. It's a continuity of character trajectory. Mm. I like that. That is a very, <laughs> I think, I feel like that's a very good and healthy way of looking at it. Yep. Yeah. So, and, and conversely, that's how I think of hell. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, you can, you can be now a heavenly or a hellish creature. Mm-hmm. And it's the continuity of your current trajectory. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. The Orthodox have a word for that called theosis. Hmm. It's, um, e- existing and interacting with God and with the tradition of the church and with the sacraments because interacting with those is interacting with God's grace and experiencing and existing in the presence of God, grace of God's grace, theosizes you. It makes you in a sense like divine, like, mm-hmm. like a chunk of wood accepts the flame, right? It doesn't become the flame, but it is filled with its <coughs> energy. Excuse me. And then in that case, like brings that energy with it, wherever it goes. Mm-hmm. And so that's, that's how I like to think of my th- faith as far as religious practice or belief or things like that. It's like, I don't, I don't think I'm better than anybody because I believe Jesus is true Mm -hmm. as much as I interact with Jesus and he sets my soul aflame Mm. with beauty and light in a way that I can't on my own. And one thing that one, th- one thing that, you know, even reading like the Catholic catechism, like the literal book <laughs> you know, of, of doctrines is it states in there that we can't say one way or another who is and who isn't going to hell. Mm-hmm. We don't know where God, we don't know where, where God is all over the map as much as we could say, we know that there's some presence here that does us some good. And mm-hmm. as long as we know that, this is something we can safely recommend. But it's not saying that somebody in Hinduism is going to hell. It, it, and, you know, it's, it's not saying universally everyone's going to heaven as much as it's saying we don't know where God is going to interact. We don't know where Aslan's going to appear, and we mm-hmm. don't know how Aslan's going to interact with you. But wherever Aslan is, wherever God is, is going to produce a theosized effect. Mm. And so regardless, regardless of what you intellectually assent to, you can be a hellish or heavenly creature. Mm-hmm. I very much like the way you put that and, and the, <coughs> the word. I just, I like that sentiment a lot. A sentiment seems like it's it's just a sentiment, just sentimentality. It's not. I like that line of thinking a lot. And it's not works based, but it's a, as you said, it's a it's a continuation of a trajectory. 
it's a genuine truism, right? It's, it's, yeah. Uh, it's speaking something that is truer than true, saying, okay, this is a way to live that it can't be debunked. Yeah, and and essentially, that is why I am a Christian, is because in this tradition, with this symbolism, with this faith, you know, just to use that huge, huge word, it's that, a encompasses, big word. that encompasses <laughs> a huge mosaic of things, I sense that theosize, you know, that theosis. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, like, I'm not a Christian because I, I can prove it. I'm not a Christian because I think, like, you know, like, this, this, then this obviously equals God's existence and mm-hmm. obviously equals Jesus and, and etc. Like, I, I can't prove that. And there's no way for me to, like we said before, there's no way for me to put the effort into diving as deep into this faith as I can into Hinduism or into Islam or into Buddhism or, or even into atheism, right? Like I spent years doing that, but I couldn't all the way go down that way. It wasn't doing good for me. It didn't resonate. So this is where I'm at and this is why I am here. And because I know there's a sense of it having a real effect on me, I want to share that. I want to share the beauty of it. I'm not yeah. going to say, like, I'm trying to, con- you know, I'm not going to evangelize people in the traditional way of evangelism of being like, you need to be a Christian thus because, and here's a couple pamphlets that are going to prove to you the fact. Yeah, you, like, you I, I can't do that. I'm, I, I, my apostasy cured me of that impulse. <laughs> yeah, you, you live your life to the truest extent that if somebody comes up to you and says, hey, man, what 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 gets you going what what wakes mm-hmm. you up in the morning what uh what turns your gears for you mm-hmm. then you can tell them you can yeah. do this 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 and this this is this is what i do this is what puts me on the trajectory that i feel uh i feel resonates the most with me yeah you know yeah. and and i can look at i can look at other religions or faiths or atheism and be like I see things there that are bad for theosis. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I can be like, man, I see things in my own faith that do the same thing. Like, you know, like there's lots of stuff that we fuck up so bad oh, that yeah. are just ruining people's lives. Mm-hmm. That, <laughs> and you do it in the name of God, you're not doing anybody any favors. Yeah. Yeah. There, there is this point of, of uh, grace having to supersede your own beliefs and be like, all right, all right. yeah. Grace superseding belief because you, your faith, your understanding, your intent doesn't match yeah. the your your desired will. You got to be like, okay, at some point, I can't do it enough. I can't do it on my own understanding, my own will. I just got to believe that what I'm doing is right with the right mindset yeah. and the right mm. heart. Yeah. So in that sense, yeah, I think you can be a holy pagan. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> no. I, I think you like but, like the guy that Aslan says like who was worshiping Tash. Doing but, good but, good works in Tash's name. Yeah, it wasn't an as an element of it's not an element of works or like mm. it wasn't an element of like oh because he checked this box and this box and this box you know or is it even an endorsement of universalism? Mm-hmm. Yeah, as much as it's trajectory, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and like real honest honor. Yeah, and not being a hellish piece of shit. Yeah, I mean that's why I don't <clears throat> like I share the things like that video not to. <clears throat> Not to discourage uh, theists or to harsh on their mellow, to use 90s terminology. But at, at the same point, though, like 
like the naked naked monk with a hug of steak in the middle of exactly. uh, fasting, you need to be able to throw down and be like, exactly. are you not full yet? <laughs> like, you yes. know, you can't yeah. justify um, your bullshit but. by your belief. Like, you I, have, I got, you I got, have a, to I got a butt up against I got a butt. Somebody has to do it. Yeah. Okay, fine. We're all agreeing too much. Yes. <laughs> with posting something like that, could mm-hmm. you be taking somebody who is, is on a trajectory to be living an honest, good, uh, very convicted life and debutting something that they're holding a very strong truth. Like, they're like, this is a foundational thing. And then it could push them down, which I have seen multiple times. Homeschool kids come out of the faith and they don't just go a slight gradual dissension <coughs> away from, uh, I don't know, an unenlightened faith into, oh, now I'm going to fuck everyone I can and do as many drugs as I can, and all of a sudden they're they're in prostitution. Well, I don't know anybody okay. in prostitution. Well, I mean, but on, on that end, that was a legitimate worry that I had. Like, I remember having a conversation with my wife. We just went on, like, a three-hour drive because I needed to process things, and windshield time is one of the great ways to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I remember saying to her, like, I don't want to talk to anybody anymore because I don't want anybody else to feel the angst that I mm. am. Like, I... Not that I'm trying to protect people from, you know, from, yeah. from this, no, but I, know what you mean. I don't, I don't want to be the reason somebody goes through this yeah. awful shit. Yeah. But at the same time, at the same time, I was using my Facebook page or using opportunities for one-on-one conversation, things like that to explore and examine questions because like at the same time while i can say while i can say losing my faith was an existentially angsty time it was a sucky process it it wasn't easy it was uncomfortable and there was the risk of me going off the rails cuz there was yeah mm-hmm. at the same time though that was only partially a result of the questions a large part of that is a result of the nature of the faith I had to begin with. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Of being a very, very rigid, rigid thing that was producing, that was producing in me sideways tendencies. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like being too rigid in certain things. Well, you know, if you're flexible, right? You, yeah, you right. Like, it brings you to the point where you can snap or that you can be a cudgel or that you can be uncharitable mm-hmm. and things like that, right? So, at the same time, I had to wrestle between this. I don't want to be the cause for anybody to go through the pain I'm going through. But at the same time, I was like, I've been an asshole. And it would be really, really great if we could have some of these conversations or ask these questions in a way that is charitable or in a way that allows people to think about things and not be as rigid as I have been. Yeah. Mm. You know, and that also was not achieved by just being silent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there is a cost, cost event to... But, but when, you, when you're doing the, 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 the uh, approach or grading, I'm going to use the word grading, when you're grading your levels of harm, when you say, I want to do the least, least bit of harm that I can in my life, where does causing someone to struggle or to, to fail in faith fall in, your, in, the, in, the, in the grading if, system? If my posting of a relatively, not not perfectly amicable, but relatively amicable counter-apologetics video on Facebook is going to shake somebody's faith at the core, 
the core of their faith was pretty fucked to begin with. Yes. <laughs> I was waiting I, for it. I, I knew like, I knew where yeah. that was going. I just like, had to ask you it. Cause... Remember when, when we were growing up in the church and they have like, what is it, like the, the 10 steps of evangelizing? You don't know which <clears> one of those <throat> steps you are when you evangelize to somebody, but you need to do it because you need to get the step in. Yeah. If I end up being that 10th step in somebody's faith getting shattered, I have no control over the, 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 that. No, somebody, you don't. And it could be, it could be an there. offhand thing that even does it, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Like you can't. There's no way that you can be responsible for yeah. somebody else's existent. Like, like they were on their they're, way. They're already. towered of epistemological <coughs> truth, yeah. right? You can't. You're not and responsible. I feel for like that. the the yeah. benefit of challenging their faith to make them think more intently on it and to consider it more critically whether to be critical or whether to strengthen their faith because it's forcing them to actually look inward and, and yeah. self-analyze. I feel like the benefit from that is outweighed by the possibility of fallout from it. Like in the same sense that disciplining a child is unpleasant for the child in the moment, but the overall benefit will generally outweigh yes. the discomfort of, of discipline. I, did, I had to bring that up because I know that somebody's out there probably listening and being like, why aren't they, why would they let this guy have a platform to <laughs> spread his, his, his paganism? Hey, I, <laughs> I can tell you right anyone. now, if you've been listening to this podcast all the way through, you've thought that about us. <laughs> this isn't Will's platform to fuck people over. We've been doing like it from the start. Is, this is probably one of the, the, the most agreeable no. topics we've had since like, like, you know, yes. all of my guest appearances yes. here. <laughs> Now, I mean, now back to the. We gotta topic. ruin it and talk about Musk again. <laughs> oh, no, no. So no. Now that it, now that we've gotten past that, do you really think women should have the right to vote? Honestly, like really. Like, yeah. <laughs> oh, You're a middle-aged white do male. Do what do you think about everything? <laughs> oh, okay. You want we want spicy takes? I have I have a spicy take. It's actually this throws back to talking about idiocracy. Uh, okay. My my spicy take that I've been talking with a couple of friends about is whether you should have a license to have kids. Like, is having oh, kids a right? Okay. Like, is, is it a right in a sense, like, no. everyone can have kids? Yeah. Or do you well, have I mean, biologically, right? like, everybody have, can have well, kids. Yeah. Or like, you need to have, like, a like the equivalent of a driver's license. You have to take a course and prove that you have the basic skills for raising children before you can procreate. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go with a hard no on that one. Oh? Simply because I don't want anyone being... About, imagine if you would... Joe Biden's in government. Well, Republicans aren't allowed to have kids. Are you a right-leaning person? You can't have kids. Now we just switched the other foot. Now Trump's telling you you can't have kids. Yes, ideally, I think you should. We have too many Mexicans here. They're not allowed to have children. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> ideally, <laughs> I think that a lot of people shouldn't drink alcohol. Hmm? You shouldn't. Like, there's a lot of people that should not drink. Oh, yeah. Am I going like, to have a say on whether or not they do? The same blanket policies. Like, I was looking. I, I like to call it my ratatouille policy. Anyone can cook. This doesn't mean everyone can cook, but a cook can come from anyone. Yeah. So, like, everyone can get a driver's license. Yeah. See, but not everyone's going to get a driver's on, license because some people just can't fucking yeah. drive. On, yeah. on that level, like, I would push back a little bit because, like, let's say, like, you know, every, you know, you may have, have to have a license to practice medicine, you yeah. know, or, or things like that, right? But, like, when it comes to children or producing life in mm -hmm. general is is the sheer potential of that life can be so much more than you are, despite mm -hmm. how bad you try and fuck it up. <laughs> like, right? Like, yeah, it's, it's like to, to try and, to try and put a limit via something like license, you know, like to be able to it's have kids. A, it's such a sticky, sticky hypothetical. Cause the further you dig into it, the worse it gets. Cause like, yeah. how do you enforce it? 
Yeah, like, right. Like does, I, every, <laughs> does every guy get his get his you know get the snip at like six years old? Right. Yeah. Do you do it snipped once they get their do license? You do, do you do like an IQ test as as a, <laughs> you know, yeah. as soon as you hit puberty and be like, oh, I'm sorry, we don't want your you genes. How, right? If someone has you know a kid, an unlicensed child, what do you do? Find them and make it worse for the child? Yeah. Like yeah. just make their can't. life worse. Like it's exactly. It's, it's that, a, that's why it's it's, it's a stupid. It, that's why I was a hard no. I'm like yeah. nope. Yeah, exactly. the spicy hot takes. So yeah, there's the spicy hot takes. Yeah, so yeah, well, on that level, you you're like, how do you police one? it? Which one? Last the one episode? Travis said that just we no, released the last two days one ago? I listened to was your uh, your Jesse Braun legalism episode, which I really loved. That, that was, was a really, really good cool one. Episode. He was yeah. an awesome guest. Yeah. He was so awesome. We you guys, do, you do sound way too much alike. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I knew Jesse back in his younger days. I used to play yeah. hockey with him. Yeah. But you guys sound exactly alike now. It's terrifying. Well, the one that Travis was on, I thought it was going to be a giant circle jerk. Like, we just hear, get get along. Yeah, like, we've agreeing. done so much more agreeing here today. Like we, So we thought, you know, having Travis on would be like a, like, yeah, fuck liberal, you know. <laughs> <laughs> fuck the left sort of thing, right? Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> and, and it turned into, like, a huge argument. Like, I was Alex Jones. And he was Kanye. And he was, it was ridiculous. Kanye. <laughs> it was so fucking... Oh, I was like, like shit. To the, yeah, to the point where Mike is like, okay, calm down. Let's think about this rationally. And you I'm know. the rational one. <laughs> Wowza. It was fantastic. With, with it's in, good in content. his defense, he had bourbon. A I mean, lot of bourbon. <laughs> In his defense, nice. I had a lot too. <laughs> yeah, I had quite a bit as well. But or uh, in your we're, defense, we're a little bit more seasoned. We I don't know. We just we spend pay, more time in front of the microphone. It's true. Some people it, it's 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 it got it's so a skill that you have heated. To work on. I, I, it's, uh, at one point, I was listening back on it, and I was like, "Oh man, like he's legit fucking mad here." Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah like, it was. My brother called me. He's like, "It sounded like it was going to go to blows." Like, <laughs> <laughs> but at the same time, like we're having a good time, like in the room, mm-hmm. like the energy in the room, like even though it was <laughs> yelling heated, and it screaming. got to the end, we're like, "All right, man, like good hang, hug." You know, <laughs> go on. But I like was listening, on the phone listening back him. to the content, you're like, "Holy shit!" Like this was this is like it was not just a debate. Like this was the legit. It was a fight. It, it was it, legit. And it fight. was based on uh, a person. Uh, one of the things was a uh, based on your ability to own guns. You should be doing mandatory service and uh, not mandatory. Uh, prior, I don't know. Just you should serve and learn mm-hmm. how to use a gun. I'm like, who's paying for it? What if you don't want to serve? Is it mandatory service? And I'm like, I'm like dissecting, and he's like IQ test, and I'm like, who's putting the test on? Because IQ tests are such a great. Like, <laughs> I have an I like so I've done IQ tests. Yeah. Partially, I, I did like a this is like a fun experiment for me. I'm I did like a way spread too of, scared to do one. Uh, I did, I'm, I'm, a did, I'm a retard. I'm a retard. I did I 10 of them, and I averaged the score out across 10 of them, and I have an IQ of, like, 152. That's bullshit. There is... I am dumb as a rock. Like, there's yeah. no way that I have an IQ you that test, high. You test well. Yeah, apparently. You it's see, such a Here's how measure. retarded I am. You say 150... I, I, is that good? Yeah, I mean, like, the, it, the, I, the, like... I the, don't know. What's bad? I think it's in, like, the top 8th per, like percentile or something like that. Like, But it's, it's stupid, because IQ tests don't mean shit. All yeah. it means is I can memorize shapes and have some really basic logic skills and yeah. some memorization skills is, is all it is. Yeah. There's no room for creative thinking. There's no room for... for um, I, I like, avoid IQ tests like I avoid psilocybin mushrooms. Right, like, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. it's one of those things where, like, I really dislike IQ. The idea of of IQ being something quantifiable to me yeah. is just it sucks, and you know like there was there was this this fella that went through the ringer. It was a numbers of year number of years back about the heritable 
parts of IQ and how that difference differences from culture and race and stuff like that. Right. And like how that whole thing turned out, like to just be like a giant clusterfuck, mm-hmm. you know? And it's like yeah. all this thing, all this is predicated on this idea of IQ to begin with, which seems like a really bullshit way to determine people's intellectual worth. Cause I know yeah. my IQ is gotta be yeah it's gotta be like either super inflated or tanked but i suck at life okay (laughs) i was thinking i legit do no even if my iq is like rock solid i'm like that has no no you don't suck at life you suck in general you suck in general but (laughs) i i know people that actually actually suck at life they're doing far worse than you are so you just suck in general not at life overall i'm just basically average (laughs) yeah like i was thinking in like in video game terminology every person has like say 100 intelligence points and there's like you know logic skills uh creativity uh, linear thinking uh, all these different things you only have so many points and they're spread out randomly amongst those things yeah. and that's what you get to work with some people have 99 creativity yeah. can't do math <laughs> or like some people like i can write yeah i am garbage at math or i, I have a friend i swear to god this guy i once played he was on a bus ride up from cranbrook and he was bored and I was, I, I was up late at night. I can't remember why. And he called me and he's like, Hey, you want to play chess? And I was like, how are on a bus? He's like, well, you have a chess board. Just tell me what moves you make and I'll remember it. And so he, we had played him and he beat me. And I found out afterwards that he was playing me and his sister at the same time. Cause he was texting her Fuck those people. and he was remembering both games in his Holy head. Holy shit. Fuck that guy. But he can't run. <laughs> he can't run. Running, watching him run is like watching a newborn baby doe try to run <laughs> legs everywhere. He's the most gangly, uncoordinated. <laughs> he's oh, such, man. such a silly human being, but he's so insanely smart, uh, but all his stats are in one category. Yeah. But I feel like that, that it's everyone see, has I'm, the same. I'm, I'm, I'm trying, I'm trying to get highest on it. Um, I'm, I'm like a barrel. You ever see those barrels? How do you, you have a good barrel? You have all the wood is the same length going mm. all the way up. When you're good at one thing, you're a fucking useless barrel. And I'm trying to be the best barrel I can. Mm. Unfortunately, there are things that I'm lacking in, like oh, yeah. um, discretion in a lot of ways. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, some some of my planks have major knot holes I'm in them. Super racist. Is that a good, <laughs> is that a good one or a bad one? I don't know. You're a th- <laughs> You're a middle-aged white man. Of course you are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, not racist. That's why I'm allowed to joke about it. That's that's how you know. I think. I don't know. I don't, I don't is know. it? I was... Who was it? I was... There's this really cool guy on YouTube. Uh, he's a... He's what, Andrew a, Tate? No, oh, God. oh God! You're in his. You're in his course. Like, I am. What? What would you? What course? did you take away from his course? From his course? It's a pyramid scheme. I have no idea. Right? <laughs> like what a Ponzi it's, scheme? It's just a Ponzi scheme. I, t- I tell you though, like that guy is genius at making money off of suckers. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! He's so good. It's like okay. I agree with. I do agree with a few parts of okay, things he but, says. But that but that, that is. That's, that's the, thing. the hook. That's the right? hook. It's, 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 a, it's a fish hook with a little bit of bait. And that little bit of bait is a certain kind of logic yep. that makes sense to conservative people or yep. to young men or yep. people who value masculinity and things like that, right? Yep. So he says certain things that validate that, that even make sense. Yeah. But there's all, you know, but, but, but hiding, under, hiding underneath that wriggling, that wriggling penis-like worm yeah. is, is a hook that sucks you into a, a scheme that makes him money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's so disingenuous. It's one of those okay. things, I don't know if I talked to you, I think I might have mentioned it on a previous episode that I was on, but 
there's a certain level of intention and science between those like African prince emails that old people get. Like, mm-hmm. hi, I'm a Nigerian prince. If you send me $1,000, I'll send you $10,000. Yeah. There's a reason they've never changed those emails. Like everywhere, it's a, it's a running gag. Even, even with the, the bad English, yeah, too. Yeah, even with the bad English, they keep it. Because people like us are going to bounce off of it. But if somebody's dumb enough to fall for it, they're yeah. dumb enough to keep falling for it. And that's, it, it, It's like a litmus test to find the idiots. And I, I'm convinced that Tate does the same thing. He is over the top enough that it weeds out the people who would shy away from giving him money. Mm-hmm. And only the suckers remain. Yeah. yeah. But it, it works well enough that just keeps on working oh, for, look at, for look at, that Look at the people. cars he's got. Like, like no, fan. I mean, And he also says, oh, you need to live rich like I am right now. Fuck, what are you get, talking but about? But at the same time. I have no idea whether or not the guy owns those things, whether or not he rents them and uses them for visits. I honestly have no clue because there are people that have pulled that kind of shit before he that have been like, does. hey, look at, look at me. I own I own Lamborghini, but really they rented it and put it on no, the thing. For he, he does because they actually posted a picture of his Lamborghini on there and you can tell it's his because it has his embroidered stitching yeah. on the seat. Do you know seat. how we know it's his? Because the cop seized it during his... Yes. Fair enough. I'm not trying to say he doesn't own yeah. those things, but I'm saying within the realm of the con, yeah. you don't trust there's him. ways on social media around that to look more than what you are in yeah. order to oh, attract, yeah. right? Like, that's... Like, I'm not trying to say he doesn't own that shit. It's Influencer 101. But at the same time, that, yeah. it, that is that is the the, uh, the the playlist that you got to go by. Yeah. There are people, I know people, that are like, oh, I'm trying to be an influencer. And yeah. I'm like, you have, like, they're dumb as nails. And you're right, when you're talking about dumb people, do you know what the worst, the, the best sign to find out <clears throat> if they're a dumb person? Ask them if they're dumb. Dumb people don't know they're dumb. Oh, yeah. Yeah, fair if enough. If you ask a oh, smart person the if they're dumb, they're like... Dunning-Kruger effect. Ah, maybe, yeah. yeah. I love, do you know what the Dunning-Kruger effect no, is? I don't know uh-huh. yep. it, there's a, a, a scale with um, perceived competent, competence to and, intelligence. Yeah. So if you're really incompetent and really unintelligent, generally you will view your competence as much higher than it is. And the more intelligent you get and the more competent you get, the less you estimate your competency. Yeah, it tends to be why people that. get yeah. to middle it's management inverse. and stick in middle management is because they're so incompetent and they rise to that level. They can't get past it, but they tend to get there really quickly. Yeah, and that—that's why I'm. People are. Uh, no one ever accused me of being really smart, but at the same time, I know how I'm dumb. I'm like, there's a lot of ways that I'm dumb, and I'm okay with that. Yeah. But then there's other people who are like, oh, I'm really smart. I'm like, no, you're no. not. Yeah, there, there's actually <laughs> there. There's a. A TikToker out there that I really like. I don't exactly know why. I'm just trying to think of it in real time here. But he's this guy with a mustache and glasses that does these comparisons between how really rich people act oh, yeah. and how rich people act. And I really love it because he always presents hyperbolic environment. <laughs> he always presents the guy as like you know really really well off as being humble and wise and smart. And you know the the middle management guy is kind of like that that like, still that personification of that Dunning Kruger effect, mm-hmm. like rising to middle management but not being able to get past yep. it because of attitude. And I I know it's all hyperbolic and I know yeah. it's super simplistic, but I'm like I like this guy. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I know act exactly. richer than they are. Billionaires, yeah. I mean, at least publicly, don't tend to act like the giga rich people. Like Bezos I, doesn't generally come across as a billionaire until you look at his giga yacht, but. In, in general, yeah, but, in public, yeah, but he's, not he dresses, br- he's not gonna bring up his giga yacht. Exactly. In general, he dresses like a relatively normal human being and 
Yeah. Well, Zuckerberg has the same T-shirt that he's had for like 20 years. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) You know, yeah, it's like, is that, it's like the difference between guys that are super successful and the people that get to a certain level of success, but really ride off their clout and influence and image. I mean, this might be a spicy take, but I put, I don't put Elon Musk in the incompetent quite tier, but I do put him in the tier I think there's definitely some Kruger, Dunning-Kruger effect going on with him. I think that he's a normal person. He did some smart things. He made a lot of money. Some smart things? He's been doing it for years, though. Yeah, but he's also been piggybacking off other people's smart ideas. He just... Classic narcissist. He's, he, he buys in <laughs> Narcissists the right are fantastic at that And then well, sells so, the right so like time, Bill Gates, like is, Steve is Jobs. Definitely a skill. Like, yeah. Don't get me wrong. He, oh, has, yeah. he has good ideas. Uh, managing Twitter is not one of them. No. <laughs> so it's not. Yes, have, you ever, have you ever thought, like, see something happen in real time? Like, at first, when he oh. said he was going to buy uh, buy Twitter or something, I was like, <laughs> oh, this might be fun. But as the whole drama has played out, I mean, to. like, abort! Abort mission! He tried Fuck. to, and they, <laughs> like, they, okay, they panicked and said he should never buy it. There's, he shouldn't be allowed to buy it. They were saying that. They mm-hmm. did. People on your side, because mm-hmm. you're the liberal side. Yeah. People on that side were saying he shouldn't be allowed. Yeah. And then when he tried to pull out, they're like, "No, you have to." He signed the papers. No, but it, that, that's exactly it. It's well, like, yeah, what, like, what are you going to do? There was a certain Which amount one of is le- there's a certain amount of legal obligation that the guy had, you know, like yeah. committed himself to, and then thought like he got like he, he, he got buyer's remorse. Let's he, be honest. Yes, yeah. he did. It's it's a weird thing because I feel like the people who said that he shouldn't be allowed to buy it. <clears throat> I don't like that line of thought. Yeah, I'm okay with him buying it. That's, I mean, somebody else owns it now, and he'll own it himself. And if he drives it into the ground, he drives it into the ground. Good. Or in his case, Fuck if he it. turned it into like a super, you know, free speech central place, like a like a bigger truth media, do it. Fly at it. He'll yeah. lose a ton of his viewership and and, and advertisers. Because people don't want the truth. Eh, people no, don't, don't. People don't want complete free speech. No. Because they, complete they, free speech is, it's never going to happen. Yeah, because I'm not allowed to say whatever I want no, or yes. whatever. I mean, like, for instance, like, I mean, like, we're bringing up a whole <coughs> bunch of big names and hot topic things. The Kanye thing comes up, right? Oh, yeah. Where he had to make a decision to pull Kanye. Like, obviously, it's not free speech yeah. because this guy crossed a line that you decided is a line. It cost him so many advertisers. But yeah. it, he did also put it to the people of Twitter. He didn't make... The, he ultimately made the decision, but he made sure it was a much like pilot of, all right, guys, what do you guys want to do? Oh, you want to? Yeah, all right, this is your decision. I'll kay. allow it to do happen, but... In, in that parable, pilot's not the hero. No. That's not That's not a good I way to go. I never said he about, was. Yeah. yeah, but you presented it like that. I did. You presented it like, but in all fairness, he's like Pilot. And honestly, <laughs> Musk might be a very smart man, but I think he's an incredibly insecure man. I, I was recently Everyone's listening... Everyone's insecure well, when you're at that level. I mean, that's the thing, though. Like, I look at a... I don't think that Bezos is all that insecure. His wife left him and took half his money, but he's still the second richest man on the planet, or, or third yeah. richest, whatever it is. I feel like insecurity isn't really big up the, his list of worries, but for Musk, like I was listening to a bunch of his, his um, what are they called? Not twitlongers, but like when he was in voice calls on, on Twitter, talking to people and talking to reporters and being asked questions. And he's just so... He's, he's, he, he seems super insecure about it all. As soon as somebody asks him any question of any merit, he just he just clams up. In a very like, like teenager who got found jacking off at the at the family computer type way. Yeah. Well, it's one well, of those things where like, 
people who are good at certain things are not good at everything. Yeah. Like being good at, you know, certain aspects of business or making investments or choosing good people to be in position for certain types of things does not translate to all things, right? Yeah. yeah. Like, but at the same the time, time. nobody, nobody walks it, so. through life yeah. and just bats a thousand all the time. Yeah. Yeah. But at the same time, when I got to give them the benefit of the doubt and say, hey, he's still a dude. Maybe he's like, I don't really have an answer for this. So why would I answer it? You should would be you, doing w- that. Would you answer yeah, something? Yeah, that would be way more preferable. <laughs> like, you, you would think that after a certain number of train wrecks at Twitter, he would be like, he, I'm he not is. the guy. He's backing off. He is backing off control. Well, yeah, it's because he's he's set world records now. It, it took him it took him a world record amount of money lost for both his companies. Yeah, but but Twitter wasn't making money well, no, it wasn't, anyways. But now it's it was hemorrhaging funds yeah, of the wazoo. Yeah. From the beginning, this whole thing was a horrible idea. Oh, yeah, it was <laughs> a terrible idea. It's just like yeah. now we're just seeing we're seeing the train oh, yeah. wreck play out that yeah. was always going to happen. The yeah. fact that this they is, were able this is to straight offload up it onto him. They offloaded a huge risk because the people that were involved yeah. that own that shit. I, I stand his, his and he was retarded role. enough to take it. Yeah, yeah I, well, no, I, they forced him. No, because <laughs> he's the guy that said he, I want to do it. Yes, but he there was, went and signed contracts. He he to, declared to he, he made declared the offer, to the world, it, and then he backed yes. out after like, making the offer. And it's like you can't some, do that. Yeah, some of it is. Whatever, Why not? Well, whatever point they got to, whatever paperwork had been signed was binding. Yeah. Whatever agreement like, they had come to okay, was binding. Mike, no, it wasn't. If you're if you're a fucking smart guy, guy if you're a fucking smart guy, um, and there's no legal obligation to fulfill what you just said, and yeah. people are like, "No, you have to buy it." Now you're like, "No, I'm not." Like I've seen the numbers now. This is garbage. Yeah, there but had to be some legally binding. They pointed e- either it. either yeah. that either a legally binding thing or. Pot committed so publicly and yeah. so insecure about his own decisions that he decided to go through with it, even though he knew deep down it's a horrible idea, and that's not the mark of a good businessman. Yeah, I mean, either way, I think it was a, a but. A, a but gross under that un, under that level of pressure, do you foresee yourself making a better decision? I don't foresee myself looking at that. I'm like, okay, if I had but the, I also don't have that kind of money. If I had the I'll option to that. back out of it, I would have backed out of it. I mean, even if he had the option to back out of it and pay a billion dollar fine. Which he, he still would have lost way less money. He still would have lost so much less. So yeah. either it was an ego and it, or insecurity and at that thing. Point, and at that point, you could be like, all right, yeah. I'm like, You could spin it in such a way. Be like, yeah, I looked into it. I tried. Once I saw what this actual thing was, I knew it was a sinking ship. Yeah. yeah. And decided it was better for me not to do it. Yeah. You know, yeah. So, my, but my, you know it's, but it's my bad for, for trying to take it on to begin with, but no, this isn't worth me he putting tried the effort that. in. Well, that's just it. it. Either it was an ego insecurity thing that kept him or yeah. whatever, whatever legal... Whatever legal le- loopholes they forced him into because well, whatever they did. He had, whatever he had it. gotten into was legally binding enough that yeah. he couldn't get out of it. Yeah. I don't know what, I don't know what papers he signed. So I, I don't no know. idea. If, yeah. E- either he was really intent on buying it until he got too close and saw how bad it was or he was he just tried to play the bluff along too long i don't know which yeah. one it was i think that's probably that's to me that is the most logical like it's it the scream, most plausible it screams thing of elon musk it's it's like you played the bluff too long and got caught out and then now you're pot committed yeah that's how i see it all playing out with I that be with that being said but i'm just all i got no horse like honestly don't care about twitter yeah. I no 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 horse in that race but i'm just saying like as as an example as a modern parable it's such a good example it of, is a good the, of the Dunning-Kruger effect. Yeah. <laughs> I, I really think it is. 
I, I think Musk and Twitter is the perfect example of how the Dunning-Kruger effect works. I really you hope think, not. You think you're so good at certain things, you over uh, you overestimate your competency at everything, and then you commit to it, and then re- realize this is not working out. I, I hope not. Because if, I mean, if, if it is, the reason I hope not is because <clears throat> if somebody of that much affluence and that much control and that much power is that incompetent and speaks very poorly for the rest of us. Yeah, yeah that's life. Well, see, I, I know. I'm not bothered, that's why I'm saying I'm not not. bothered so much by <laughs> Elon Musk being incompetent. That's the thing is, I just think that makes him human. Yeah. yeah, I'm really sick and tired of us holding people like him on pedestals and thinking there's some sort of, like, absolute gift to mankind. Like, I don't look at a Mark Zuckerberg. Yeah, sure, he's I, rich. I do believe that there are people that are extraordinary. I do. Oh, sure, there are people that are extraordinary. I believe there's lots of extraordinary people who never get the chance to do anything with their whatever their extraordinary talent is. I mean, Jim Bob flipping burgers at McDonald's may just never have the perfect yeah set of things because work there's out no there's no there's no think, niche market for it. There's no way yeah. to. I think monetize the, the most it. extraordinary things in life happen by accident. Yeah, and in in you know in some people they play a part in it, and it's like in all honesty, like everything is a giant tapestry of the story that's unfolding. Yeah. yeah. My only real concern with Twitter is all the employees that are losing their jobs. Outside of that, I couldn't. I couldn't give two shits. Yeah. I'm actually kind of. I'm kind of intrigued to see what happens because this will be the first time that one of the the major social media giants has fallen. Yeah. Well, because I mean, Facebook is loudly. Falling. It's no, no, no. It's it's fallen loudly. Yeah. It's not like MySpace. Do you remember MySpace? Yeah. I remember MySpace. MySpace was right before my time because I just got into MySpace when Facebook happened, and I jumped ship to MySpace or to Facebook right away. Yeah, as a teenager. No, I did MySpace for years. And MySpace <laughs> was big, and it just kind of faded. Yeah, yeah. As you say, it died quietly. Where yeah. where where Twitter's not dying quietly. But MySpace it's, it's was very never loud. was never social media dramatic. in the sense that Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, etc. Because their it advertising did, it did, it did, platforms. Yeah, because like it, MySpace was almost like you get to have your own personal website, you know, and you you kind of kind of interact with it that way. Where Facebook and Twitter and Instagram are like this big hosting thing where everything is being everything is being conglomerated from all these different places into one stream. I'm looking at it from like a, a, a business standpoint, like Facebook. And all these other modern social media platforms exist as giant data mining algorithms mm. attempting to to extrapolate every piece of data from us they possibly can and then sell us everything they can based off of that data. Yeah. But yeah, if, and if, 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 a, if a service is free, then you're the product. Exactly. And this is the first time that one of those looks like it's going to go belly up the not fun way. And that's so intriguing because if you'd asked me five years ago, if I thought that any of these social media giants could go belly up, I'd have thought, no, they're, they're too big to fail at this point. Like, they have such a huge... Each one of them has such an absolute stranglehold on their market that I felt like it was impossible for any of them to fail. Yeah, I think I think each one of them has... I mean, yeah, there's, there's that size. But there's... If you change one element of, of how they work then the house of cards can fall down. It can. And and that's what we're seeing it. And I mean it's being I don't think they'll, by legislation. I'm not sure that they'll go away entirely. No. But it would be it would be great to see them get knocked back down to the peg that they belong in. Well I mean I, right? I, I really feel like I hate Facebook now. It really annoys the shit out of me because Big Mood. 
it's everything's pay pay to play. Yeah. Well, yeah. Like, for, why for the, are why are podcast, we growing there? Like, yeah. I honestly am questioning. I'm like, why are we not growing? It's because we're not willing to pay. So yeah, we're yes, not. Boost, we're not boosting our posts, and we're not playing the algorithm. Yeah. Right. Like, you know, there's things we could do that would make that go way but, up. But there's but it's it, not it genuine not, growth. Yeah. Like, it, it's, it doesn't it's suppressing. It doesn't us encourage we're not genuine paying. go genuine growth. Yeah. It, all these things encourage you to, like, and I mean, in some way, like, I mean, one of our friends who's got a podcast and a, and a TV show, internet show, all these things going on. He's like, yeah, it's like social media growth is garbage. It's like, and really the thing for me to do is like, I, I don't want to do it based on moral grounds, but it's the thing to do is this, is it for me to, it's for me to buy, it's for me to buy views. Mm-hmm. Like you can go and there's certain services that you can get and you can pay for views. You can pay for interactions. There's bot farms and all this stuff that you can put to use for your for your platform to grow it and to make it look better for advertisers. You can make mm-hmm. it look better that way for potential sponsors, all those things. It's not organic. It's not real. Yep. You're just buying the numbers that show up at the bottom as views and interactions and as comments, etc., and then you can take that and show it to your potential the, to, sponsors, to the sponsors pretend, yeah. you're courting and to be like, yeah. look how big my reach is. Yeah. You can, you know, they can, but it's disingenuous, but it's that's, that's how it works. So ah, they say it's capitalism. It, if anybody, uh, Devin, you're running over your headphone cord on the back end. <laughs> <laughs> but that's why I'm like, oh man, I, that's why I want people to share our shit because I want it to grow. I want mm-hmm. it to grow earnestly. I want people to actually be pushing us because I don't want it to be fake. I don't want to pay for this. Yeah. And maybe maybe it's just I'm not willing to play the game or whatever, but I honestly want to be genuine. I want people to actually like us for us. I don't yeah. want to be uh, yeah. I'm doing it for the advertising and for for trying to get money out of everybody. It's like, oh, listen to us advertise, and we're but, sponsored but, but today by water. That is kind of the moral dilemma that that it, we're faced with. Like, I mean, do we just want to exist in the niche we are with just our podcast going out to people we know personally? Yeah, and kind of like die a war of attrition, just die well, honorably. Right. Yeah, I, I think that you're when you were telling me earlier about how you guys want to go mobile, you know go to a go to a metal festival and interview people there and stuff like that i feel like that is the prime way like you look at things like yeah. um um channel five news yeah which pushing the controversy there that recently cropped up to the I side have no idea uh, but all right the guy the guy who andrew andrew callahan river uh, a whole bunch of his uh ex high school uh, uh, girls that he interacted with in high school all came out of the woodwork and were like oh no he's a he's a he's a he's a creepy fuck and so Saying girls don't like a guy from high school? Uh, some of the stuff that he did. I don't know. Some I would, of the receipts they I'm have are pretty. Pretty, pretty sure yeah. I was considered creepy, but only because I was like Hi. the stuff that he did was not just creepy. It was it was predatory. Predatory. Yeah. Okay. That's All the right. right word for it. But that being said, Fuck he built kind of a grassroots platform with his Channel Five News, which was just going to various super politically charged rallies, left and right, mostly the right. And just interviewing people, just giving them a, a space to talk. And he, okay. like, he, so he recently had this HBO special come out, and he, there's a bit in it where he literally is interviewing Alex Jones while Alex Jones is pumping iron. It is the most surreal thing watching this like beet red Texan meat mass pumping <laughs> iron and grumbling about things. He's <laughs> <laughs> like this little curly haired boy in his in his little brown suit or whatever it is, and 
it, it's such a surreal experience. But he built that largely off of just going to these rallies, yeah. getting his name out there, and putting it on YouTube. Yeah. And it happened to catch, catch, and take off like wildfire. Yeah. Or you have a uh, oh, what's his game? There's a guy, Chad Kroger. And he, all he does, all his shtick is, is him and his buddy dress up like like beach bros in their Hawaiian shirts and go to town hall meetings. Oh, with the I most see. ridiculous pitches, like the one oh, guy yeah, yeah, the Paul yeah, Walker guy, yeah. and he's like, "We need like a Paul Walker statue on like the ISS bra." And it, 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 the dumbest and then, things. And then his bro goes behind him. He's like, "You're out of time, sir." It's like, "All right." And then the other guy continues his thing. Yeah, like Chad was saying, bro. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's great that you can yeah. build a platform off of that. Yeah, and I that's th- and that's what we're trying to do is build something without having to be fake. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I want to be genuine. I want to be real. I don't want to be... And we've got various ideas on how to do that. But one it, thing that we're not going to be doing is buying views. Yeah, we're not going to pay for people to listen to us. That being mm-hmm. said... When I mean, we, I, I hate saying that because if we ever fail, then like total hypocrites. But at the same time, like I think it's fairly safe to say that we're not, we're not interested. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're not interested enough in succeeding yeah. to do and it. It might be one thing yeah. to you know, someday pay for advertising for your podcast. Yeah, so that's, that, that's a different thing. Yeah. Paying for advertising is a whole different thing mm-hmm. than paying yep. for artificial views to make yes. yourself look bigger than you are. Exactly. Yeah. And it, it and I feel bad for people that have to do that. Like mm-hmm. that that feel that feel like they have to in order to get sponsors in order to get the yeah. views like Well, it's one of the other kind of like backsides to having this medium be so much more accessible these days than it used to be. Like the the entry yeah. cost for it is so much lower than it used to be. Yeah. And the trade-off being that there's just the the market is that much more saturated now with people who want to do oh, it. So many, and then the big guys are getting into it. The huge corporations they're paying for their spots. Oh they're, yeah, they're, they're, you're gonna you're not gonna see us at the top ten or whatever. You're gonna no. see anything from CNN, CBC, and all these other places that well, are. Well, you you would be amazed. Shows would, like there's so <laughs> I mean, the, there's so many podcasts out there that you would be amazed what would get you into the top ten percent. I mean, just look at like Joe Rogan and Armchair Experts. I mean, they're still. I mean, Joe Rogan isn't quite grassroots because he has his whole big studio, but, like, Armchair Expert is still Dak Shepard and Monica, his co-host, in their little bitty attic. Yeah. I mean, yeah, they have, like, BMO being their sponsor now, like, big-time sponsors, and they are world-famous stars, but there's still just people making a podcast up in their attic. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why I think for sound quality... If if you get yourself, if you get yourself to, like, over, I think it's, like, 150, maybe at tops 200,000 views... Per year, yeah, your top eight percent in podcasts. Well, we're not, yeah. well, I don't know. The thing is, I can only like, see that's, our actual because like that's that's how that's how many there are, and but it's also how much views very small amounts are getting. Yeah, because yeah. there's only so much time in a day. Yeah. People, like, yeah, if it's you're hard if you're committed if you're committed to listening to three hours of Rogan. You don't have the bandwidth to listen to podcasts like us. Yeah, no. <laughs> like I'm I'm sorry, but you don't. That's why, so that's why I've become a little. That's right. I've become a lot more selective with what I listen to when it comes to Rogan. I'm mm. like, I can't listen to all of them. I don't have time. Oh, for fuck that. that. No. Some not people, a they, I used to listen to them every day, every single one I listened to, and I got I've to the learned point of, there's only no. so much of his voice I can take. <laughs> and it's not a it's not a criticism of him. There's just only so much of anybody's damn voice. I can't even take, I can't even listen right? to my own podcast. Everyone's like, "Oh, you listen to yours?" I'm like, oh, "Fuck no." I don't like listening to my own voice. I hate my own it's, voice. It's enough to have to edit it at all. Like even alone. Travis is listening to yeah. it and he's like, oh, "I was so drunk." And I'm like, at, "Yeah, I don't know." At maybe. the beginning, I listened to every episode we did for oh, yeah. maybe the first 15 or so, like well, I want to make sure a lot is good too. Yeah, a lot of it was just 
you know, healthy self-critique of technique of what we're doing. How is this working? Is it comparable to other ones that mm-hmm. I've, that I've been hearing like for that. Right. Yeah, but yeah. it's not like at a certain point it turns into an ego rub when you're like, you know, oh, listening yeah. to every, as soon as it comes out and you're like, Oh, oh we're so good. <laughs> or it's self-deprecating where you're like, Oh, everything we do sucks. Like, I mean, you can just either be like so self-gratuitous or self-critical. Yeah. I, I'm, it's I'm, not healthy. I'm, I've become more of a post and ghost. Like just yeah. put it out there. <laughs> Check the numbers once in a while, see how we're doing. Uh, I, I don't mind. The Abigail Thorne one that you were with us mm-hmm. on, that one still downloads all it's the time. Really? It's, it's one, one of our best. It's one of our best. Oh, my goodness. I'm, I, so happy. I, I'm yeah. worried that it's more clickbaity than anything else. <laughs> like, I mean, it is a hot-button topic. It translates the is, in the States. Are, are we tried pretty... to do the same thing. We did a Kanye West, Justin Bieber, Jordan P. Peterson. Which one's a Christian? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and just, you know, like That's not getting the same clickbaitiness. I'm like, man, I have got, no idea. Smith in there. That's right. That's right. Oh man, that's totally <laughs> not my ego talking. <laughs> uh, yeah, but yeah, but no that that episode that we did the the second one we did with you yep, is is, yep. A, is actually one of I'm our really top happy performers. That. I was really proud of that episode. I, I really enjoyed that conversation. Yeah, I I enjoyed how real and genuine it was, and it didn't make us sound like a couple you know no s- although it was hick bigot sons. It was of one of bitches. those things though where it, it kind of took us a little bit of like dancing, a little bit of courting to really get into the meat of the conversation. Mm-hmm. We're like, how do we and, and it's difficult. What, yeah. Once once we just said like, okay, fuck it, let's go. Did it turn into an awesome, <laughs> mm-hmm. awesome talk? Yeah. And so uh, that's a fun one. I don't even know what to title this one. I haven't even gone to like I was I was planning initially on going back and looking at seeing, you know, if there were any comments or or uh, uh, critiques on the Jordan Peterson ep- or on the, the Abigail Thorne Jordan Peterson episode. I never actually went back and looked. Did we get any feedback on it? No, no. I mean, we get very little feedback. Like, no. we'll, we'll see, we we'll get a see few people go on up. YouTube and oh, fuck. Oh, we did have somebody say, hey, you guys should have an atheist on. And I'm like, I don't know any atheists that would actually want to come on here. <laughs> Proclaim. Self proclaimed. A negative atheist, by a the way. A negative atheist. <laughs> A negative atheist. I like, I like the now I can go back to that YouTube thing and be like, hey, we got an atheist. Go check out this one. Or check out all these episodes with Will Smith because apparently he's an atheist. I didn't know where you stood spiritually on that end of things. I didn't profess it very much because I, no. I didn't have a clear-cut answer. But that's the thing. Okay, well, let's get back around to that. <laughs> okay, we can always edit out that big... No, fuck it. No, no. No, <laughs> we edit jack shit. Okay, we don't okay. edit anything it's horrible <laughs> unless somebody like has like a giant coughing fit in the middle of the episode yeah i haven't done that at all this episode or, or, or anything or, like that or like say some derogatory slur in which you're like ah, i didn't mean it like that <laughs> right right <laughs> but we don't we don't edit out like we just let it free flow and then put out what is anyway uh yeah so like you see you're talking about like with your lack of faith now like you've kind of like come back to you've come back to uh, defining it or thinking about mm-hmm. it, things like that. But like, what what made you just step away to begin with, w- without that wrestling? Um, part of it was part of it was I think initially fear. I was really tired of being. Um, that's the word I'm looking for like self-critical i felt like i wasn't living up to the standard that was expected of me as a christian and i didn't feel capable of living up to that standard which weird now in retrospect because my standards for how i live have arguably gotten stricter now Mm -hmm. than then but at least now they're my choices and i've developed the reasoning behind them as as opposed to just being told these are the rules follow them or burn in hell okay so it's kind of like it was almost more like a 
artificial guilt thing. Yes, that was part of it. And part of it was, uh, uh, I have a, a somewhat tumultuous relationship with leadership in church settings as a, as a rule. My parents went through some stuff where leadership of an old church of ours uh, treated our family very poorly. I won't get into details, but... So I have, a, I have a hard time with organized religion as a whole. And so part of me was like, well, I'm going to take a step back from organized religion and I'm just going to focus on my relationship with God. And then God just never talked to me. It yeah. didn't matter how much I prayed. It didn't matter how much oh, I... Oh, I tell you, the silence of God almost killed me. It's deafening. Yeah. And and I, I will say, hasn't really changed much since I... Right. Like, like to me, like the, the voice of God or the presence of God, it... It never manifested itself in the way that I thought it would when I thought, like, God talks to people. Yeah, everyone, especially in evangelical Christianity, gets talked up so much as being this big, you know, the presence of God, and you'll feel him, and it will be some big moving moment. And, like, I had moving moments like that when I was a teenager on mission, on, like, uh, missions trips down to the States and whatnot. And in retrospect now, that was all hormones. That was all me getting juiced on being part of a crowd engaging in something together had Uh nothing to do with spirituality and everything to do with brain chemicals. And so, yeah, that, that silence was deafening and I just kind of, it just slipped to the wayside and I just kind of stopped worrying about it. There's a line and I can't remember who I got it from or where I got it from. Um, but it's sometimes I have to, I get to pick and choose between being correct and being happy. I don't always get to have both. And at a certain point, I just stopped worrying about where I sat theologically and just focused on trying to be happier. And it just so happened that those two things ended up running somewhat parallel in the same direction of away from theology, but towards happiness. And now it's kind of come back full circle where I've deconstructed uh, my one-time theology and seen why it ran parallel to that. And I'm content with how that played out uh but yeah it, it, there was never like a big falling out moment there was never a big bombshell or uh you know shaking my fist at god moment I, I never had any of that some people do and i think they're valid <clears throat> valid experiences to have but it wasn't mine yeah mine was just kind of a a cool slipping away you know very irish exit okay no that's that's good that's valid yeah. This is something that I actually wanted to ask that we kind of got away from, but so, I, wanted so to, I wanted to know what the impetus was. It mm. wasn't like a dramatic, no. like some people have. It, it was a very subtle. Yeah, I think that's why I bristle up so much about the whole angry atheist thing. You're just mad at God. Like, no, not really. I mean, I don't agree with a lot of God's tenets or rules as as passed down by his followers. But, a, and but at book. that point, not believing in the deity itself, you're bristling and stuff like that is is, you know, much, you know, it's kind of about the people or yeah. about the, you know, it's, the it's con- God, the, about the content the, that, that the you're deriving it from. It's yeah. not about being mad at God because I don't think God exists. You can't be mad at something that you don't think is real. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. yeah. I, I find for me, like, it would be easy to look at me or to look at that and be like, oh, well, you know, you're just uh, upset or angry, but my, my, or even apathetic towards God. And I don't, I don't quite think of it as apathy, but I find more comfort in, in not, not knowing, but more comfort in the freedom to choose my own path and to blaze my own trail 
without some overarching governing body hanging over my head, judging everything that I'm doing, yeah. I'll be the arbiter of my own truth. Okay. And I'm, I'm comfortable with that, yeah. with that responsibility. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah, that's fair. And you know, in, in response to that, I would say like, that's not how I think about God as like the overall overarching authority. Yeah. That's just how I thought about him growing up. And that may have but been a very incorrect I will way say, of thinking about exactly, it. Exactly. That is something that I did think for a long time and I yeah. did wrestle against. Yeah. I just, I find. It's, never, it's not something I came back to though. That's probably a good thing. <laughs> I feel like having that hanging over your head all the time is super unhealthy. You got a pondering you look, look on your... Yeah, yeah you I'm, look, I'm, I'm, you trying, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think of the best way to word this, and it's a lot of the... Um, do you think that because of how you experienced uh, young faith and seeing that it was more hormones and everything, do you think there was any validity to your faith beforehand, or was it simply going along with the the flow of your upbringing and the grouping in which your parents put you in when it comes to church, youth group, and, and that kind of circles. Was, was it genuine uh, discovery of for faith or a genuine discovery of the lack thereof? So I've, in, in learning from a whole bunch of uh, counter-apologeticists and ex-theists and whatnot, uh, a lot of them bristle up at the idea of the um, the no true Scotsman fallacy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you heard about yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, I know yeah. what you're talking about. I don't, because I I don't think I ever did have a deep relationship with God. I don't. I can't look back and say at any point that God was a, a presence that I was okay. sure I felt, or that I spoke a prayer to Him and I felt truly heard, or that I felt Him really having any bearing on my life at all. There are people that did things in his name that had bearing on my life, positive and negative, but they're just, they're people. Yeah. Their actions are their own as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Well, I mean, wait, so, if you get to the point where you ultimately decide that God isn't real, I'm not sure you can really think about it any other way. Yeah. And I, I, just, I, I just don't want to give the implication that, you know, I was a really good Christian. I tried as hard as I could. Not, not really. I was kind of a milk toast Christian. Yeah. I did some missions trips and I was fervent and happy to do them like i didn't i didn't do them begrudgingly i took great pride in what we what we but, did but you weren't like practicing the gift of prophecy you're trying no. to heal people or never you were just kind of i don't know i'm, I'm here and yeah. this is the, the flow that i'm going with i tried speaking in tongues a couple times because people around me the leadership around me said that was a thing that that christian christians yeah. should do or that hands on yeah. people and that, yeah. that whole thing is maybe one of the things that it's one of our biggest hiccups here it, yeah yeah to me that's one of the things that probably falls into the shelf that i would define like spiritual trauma <laughs> like you yeah. know it if if there's any elements in me that is that i would say like is tr that i've had to heal from spiritual trauma for like that would be one of the contributing factors to it would be the tongues thing yeah yeah there's things like that that I just kind of bumped up against, gave yeah. them a try, didn't feel any which way or about them, and never really carried on with them. Yeah. So no, I, I don't think that I was a particularly fervent or good Christian. Yeah. And so I, I, I don't bristle up at the at the idea of, of so my, people perceiving me as that. My thought is that I don't think, just looking, stepping back, looking at this, I don't think your faith was ever your own. Not really. I mean... I'm lucky in that I had parents that never pushed me into it. Yeah. My parents were very much, their parents pushed them into faith whether they liked it or not. And they've come to a nice, healthy 
faith, and I'm very happy for them. They never forced us to. Yeah. When we were really little, we had to go to church with them because we had to socialize. Yeah. Well, it's and important. That's super important. Yeah. And part, when we were part older, of the family dynamic. Exactly. When we were teenagers, we got to have a say in where we went to church. My parents did want to go to church because that's what they wanted to do, and they were they we had to come with them because they couldn't stay home at alone because yeah. we lived out in the middle of buttfuck nowhere. Yeah. Um, I don't trust kids. Yeah. I, I, as if, a dad, I don't trust you alone. <laughs> once we were in, like, once I was well into my teens, if I didn't want to go to church, I didn't have to. Yeah. Once I was old enough to take care of myself. But with the social dynamic of it, you're like, oh, I kind of want to because exactly. there's I girls have, there. There's girls. I had friends. <laughs> the music was fun. Like, there were reasons for me to go, but I was never mandated that I had to. Yeah. My parents, I was in the same boat. That, that's my, well, I didn't, I didn't yeah. feel it at the time. But I was in the same boat of my parents saying, yeah, we're, yeah. we never oh, pushed man. it. I fucking loved youth group. Like, oh, that's, yeah. That was where, that, like, was that was where teenage Devin was in his element. Yeah. <laughs> See, I, I might never have had that because I was in school. super socially awkward. So I didn't get along with, I, I had a hard time dealing with dynamics like that. Yeah. But when I could just like sit with my family in the pews and talk to people and say hi to people, maybe sneak off with a friend to go hang out. That was, that was all gravy. But. I never resented doing it. I did it willingly. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, it was my own, but it was very... Shallow? Yeah, it was shallow. Yeah. The, the only thing my parents did mandate, and again, I credit them for setting good, healthy boundaries here, is that if I was going to go, I had to abide by the rules. Yeah. I couldn't be going to church and being a dipshit. Yeah. I couldn't be swearing in church. I couldn't be disrespectful in church. If I'm yeah. going to go, I got to follow those rules. It's my choice if I want to go and, and adhere to those rules. But, but if you're there, to. be respectful. Yeah, exactly. So the, I, th I think that from what I'm hearing, what I'm listening, your shift away from faith wasn't a dramatic shift because your faith wasn't an integral ingredient to who you were as a person, from what I can tell. Because if your faith was never truly your own, it's not hard to abandon something that you I'll, never truly bought into. Sort of. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to push back a little yeah, bit please, on the statement, please. not truly my own, because it was my own. Yeah. It wasn't forced on me any more than I just kind of grew up with this overarching feeling of that's just what I'm supposed to do. Yeah. But I was never mandated to do it. Yeah. I lost a lot of sleep and spent a lot of time worrying about what God thought mm -hmm. or about what my pastor thought or about what my peers were going to think about how good of a Christian I was. I had a lot of anxiety, yeah. especially during my like, I'd say like 17 to 21 yeah. or so with feeling like I was constantly, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Falling short. I, yes. Even when I was doing like living life, pretty much perfectly in accordance with what I should be doing. I was going to church for a little while. I was like a, I was in like a discipleship program at church, really trying to find that really strong connection. I was really out there grasping for it, yeah. trying to find something, but never found it. So it was definitely my own faith. And I think part of why I was so milquetoast about it is for at least a period of time, I wasn't challenged by it. Yeah. Because I didn't, I didn't have to change my lifestyle a ton outside of maybe cursing a bit too much yeah. and probably looking at pornography as a teenager. I didn't really do anything Nobody that was wild. Nobody does that though. Nobody no, ever looks at but porn. That, there's no industry for it. Yeah, none, none whatsoever. <laughs> but like, I was never big into drinking. Yeah. I was never big into drugs. Uh, I was way too <laughs> awkward to be fucking around too much. I tried. I yeah, I did my best. It didn't go well. <laughs> so I wasn't really living a lifestyle that pushed me away from it. So I didn't, I didn't feel like it took a lot of effort 
to be a, a good Christian boy. Yeah. And so I spent my time always kind of hunting for just that that real like spiritual glue. Yeah. And just I couldn't find it. Okay. And at a certain point, it did kind of just drift into apathy towards that, yeah. Yeah. and then drifted even further. In, still. in some way, like hearing you. Hearing you explain that exactly like that, it makes me think of like almost a metaphor in general of Western Christianity as an overall entity yes. and how it's just kind of like just drifted and is continually, continuing, continuingly, that's a weird thing. <laughs> continuously, there we go, continuously <laughs> drifting more into just just like a subtle, a subtle secularism mm. more or less because like there was a real part of it. It's baked into the cake, but it's just not really resonating that much in, in a passionate way, yeah. except for the few that it is. But it, in some way though, like that's, it's very analogous just to how we're all kind of being a little less, a little less religious. Yeah. And I, I think that, Having religion and being religious, I, I tend to look at it as two different things. Being religious, I tend to think of as like a set of actions, whereas having a religion or like a relationship with a deity, I think is something that's kind of totally different. And I certainly think the latter is is, is healthier. I um, don't know. I don't know. I, I I I have given a whole new level of credence to the religiously minded people because it's one thing to be walking out a relational ideal. It's another thing to look at it and be like, I don't feel it, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to live this way in spite of myself, in spite of my feelings or my desire for a relationship. I, I that's just me though. I've I've grown a little bit in that area of saying, hey. It's easy to do it when you feel like it. Mm. When when you when you're like this is a relationship that I have and I'm going to hang on to and I'm going to grow and all these things which is really great but when you have no feeling with it and you're like no I see this for what it is and I'm going to approach it and see like no I may not yeah. feel like it but this is the choice I'm making regardless of my feelings. I will say that's probably the thing that saved my faith is like when the when the when the sensation or feeling of quote-unquote relationship with god was dead in the water like the silence of god was deafening like like what you said the the religion part of it is actually what kept me in mm. it was the enjoyment of certain kinds of music or the enjoyment of iconography or mm. the the beauty of of certain scriptures as they play out metaphorically things like that just kept me kept me interested and involved in a way that and participating mm -hmm. in a way that just it supplemented that not feeling the presence of God or the hearing the voice of God or anything like that. I have such two minds about that. that right? Mentality. Like it's, it's one of those <laughs> yeah. things where it's well, like on, on one hand, I hate the, I like I have like a visceral reaction to the idea of someone saying, I'm going to do this thing, even though I don't feel in accordance with it, or I don't feel like, my heart's in it, but I'm going to do it anyways because that's what, what I think is right. Because I think it's right. Well, this is the thing, though. Like, part of me is like, See, where's that, that definition it, that of wasn't right it coming me. from? It wasn't for me. It wasn't because I think it's right. For me, it was because there's something in me that enjoys it. Yeah. <laughs> and so, like, on, on one hand, I, that, that just makes my skin prickle up. I, I like the way you put it better. On the other hand, I love the idea of cutting through all the 
the the the the the the kumbaya high on Jesus bullshit that is largely this this is where my my anti-religion rhetoric comes out a little bit things like modern day contemporary worship music tends to largely be crafted in a way to uh, make you feel certain feelings mm -hmm. and feel certain ways if you cut that bullshit out and you're left with a feeling like what you guys are talking about i feel like that is a much healthier view a much more tempered view of of a relationship with a deity than that is i feel like i feel like being involved with all the hill songy worshipy crap is akin to brainwashing like it, it is manipulation as far as i'm concerned and so having a more tempered version of it i think is probably a lot healthier this is gonna sound a little crass and maybe shallow maybe wrong the same reason that you're vegan he's religious or vegan-esque yeah where he sees the benefits in in the religious experiment, the experience and and the, the value in it, you see the value in uh, taking control yeah, of your diet. Pretty and, solid and, comparison, honestly. Yeah, yeah I, I'd say so. Yeah. I mean, and fuck yeah, I'm smart. I'm, I'm a. <laughs> I don't know about that far. <laughs> I'm a, I'm a very romantic person at heart too. Yeah. So like, where. I guess where I see the value, also my heart will be will be drawn, and you know, like kind of like a like like the cart following the horse, and yeah. and in some way, like my heart has been lit aflame in love for something, even though my what kept me in it was the practical. Yeah. Mm -hmm. no, that makes sense. Yeah. All right. Cool. I think I. Th oh man, this has been really good. <laughs> yeah. Really yeah. Good. Okay. So, for anybody who is maybe listening to this and is either beginning or in the middle or dealing with the aftermath of of apostasy, like when you're in that realm of quote unquote deconstructing mm -hmm. or losing your faith or trying to find it, trying to figure it out, is there anything for advice or maybe any material that you can suggest would Ooh. be helpful? to try and sort through some of that stuff when you're in that super confused state? I can offer content to avoid. I would I would honestly avoid the Four Horsemen. So your Hitchens, your Dawkins. They talk grand scale. And there's value in their talking grand scale about religion as like a political power or as a as a as a, a global societal power. There's value in that, but if you're dealing with your own personal uh, rummaging through your own heart and, and soul type situation, I would advise against that because that mm -hmm. tends to be plastered with a lot of ideology and tempers tend to run high there. I would look to small creators, look to books rather than debates. Mm -hmm. um, look at specific ideas as what I would highly recommend. So if you have questions around... Uh, um, Morality. Look up the argument, like the moral argument for God's existence, and look up counter arguments to that. Uh, don't look up the Kalam cosmological argument because it's fucking dumb. Um, look up the problem of evil. The problem of evil is not like a cut and dry thing. Lots of people like to say it is, but look at it from both sides. Find counter apologeticists and find apologetics people. Don't look at the Frank Turek's. Again, they're like the Dawkins. You, you forgot the, the most important thing. What's that? Of the Blue Collar Philosophers podcast. Absolutely, just yeah. Listen never to us. stop listening. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Never stop listening to us. Never. 24-7, all the time. But yeah, definitely the best thing I can say is look at it from both sides and try to be empathetic 
as to why each side is the way they are. Be empathetic towards why Christians have a hard time having their faith challenged on a on a on a scientific and logical level, because there's inevitably going to be certain things that I don't think I don't think that science can can concretely answer in regards to religion outside of not answering it, which some people take to be a firm disproof of 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 God, which I think is, that that's kind of where I land. But it's worth looking at it from that point of view, and at the same time looking at it from from atheists' point of views, why they would be so hurt by religion. Try to look at their arguments, not just on the logical merit, but try to see why they feel so hurt and potentially abandoned by the religion that they, they may have grown up in. Or maybe some of them didn't. Some some were never theists to begin with. I feel like looking at both sides of that argument with a, with a big dose of empathy, more so than logic, will get you further than, than anything else. Mm -hmm. like it's really easy to get lost in the rhetoric around the logic focus on the human experiences focus on the emotions that underlie those those logical arguments and i think you'll i think you'll get more out of it okay mike is there anything that you would suggest to somebody in that same boat uh in the in the well, in some somebody who is at some point on that spectrum of i used to believe i used to be part of this religious community or christian and now i am questioning at whatever stage along that spectrum they might be all right questioning is the best. I love it. I, I, I don't... I say, listen... Find... I want to say a preacher. Listen to a guy like Jordan Peterson, who... I, I, I say Jordan Peterson because I find him see such a good thought leader in this area of understanding who you are, what you think you believe, and what believing really means to you. And really analyze and ask questions. And don't avoid people who, who denigrate and put you down for asking questions. Mm. Especially so by, by preacher, you don't need, like, find find whatever pastor of, you know, somebody with a huge yeah, yeah. mega church and platform and listen to their sermons. You're talking about... Uh, yeah, ideologues that are... That, so you're, that, you're talking about somebody uh, who will encourage you to examine. Yes, that will actually challenge you in what you think you believe. And if you're not being challenged, listen somewhere else. If you're only being affirmed... You're, you're not going to have any answer, uh, questions answered. Now, I would push back against that a little bit. Like, in some way, like, like you don't necessarily want to just be put into a position where you're, non, you're in a place of nonstop pessimism, you know, yeah. and, and questioning mm. all the time. Because that, that it, it just makes you into a cynic, too, and it yeah, just like, makes you, you miserable just become a cynic no but at the same time you don't want to just sit there and have your ego stroke the whole time true yeah so, I, would, I would argue that there's a time and a place for just putting it all down yeah if you're spending all this time all this questioning all these all these concerns yeah those are pressing those are very big like we as people tend to like latch on to those those kind of soul-based problems but give yourself the space to just put the problem down and spend a day or two or three or ten and just focus on work, focus on family, focus on I eating right. I would 100% agree with that. For me, that was one of the biggest things f for escaping the existential angst. Yes. Was actually putting down the search for a little bit. Like, mm -hmm. you, you spend so long, like, 
engaging with these things, looking at both sides of the argument, debating all this stuff. But if you're not you, willing you, to put it down and, and step away for a minute, you're... <laughs> well, you need to rest in order to integrate. Yeah, yeah. right. burn like, yourself out. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like, some, sometimes to be creative, you have to stop thinking about the thing and just do life until inspiration hits you, you know? Yeah. And yeah. So in that way, it works with this too, right? Like, you can't study nonstop. You have to stop reading textbooks a textbook on you know math problems and go do something else yeah. while your subconscious filters through it mm -hmm. and then integrates it into your overall psyche like you need rest time you can't non-stop pump iron 24 hours a day you have to take days off well there, the there, there, there's there's play theory right there's this idea that if you play too much you're avoiding something that you should be doing but if you don't play you're not allowing yourself to have a break. Mm -hmm, you yeah. need to have a healthy balance. Get yourself surrounded by people that one you can play mental, physical games with. Yeah, to and, use and, modern like have a, have a brother, like not a literal brother, yeah. but but somebody around you that is going to butt up against mm -hmm. your ideas, and they want the best for you. You want to have friends that actually want good out of you. They they see potential mm -hmm. and they want it. Not somebody who's just a cynical asshole that's going to point out all your shit that's wrong with you all the time. Because I know people like that, that, that if you hang out with them, it's like, yeah, I don't have to guess what you're thinking because trust me, you're going to tell me. Yeah. And <laughs> to, to use modern building. terminology, like, make some time for self-care. Yeah. Whether that's, you know, like, it doesn't have to be the quintessential white girl, you know, go out for Starbucks and go to the mall with your girls. Treat yourself. Or it doesn't, ha <laughs> it doesn't have to be going fishing. It could be go for a drive. It could be go for a walk. It could yeah. be... Learn to ride a motorcycle, Will. Yeah, it, it could be... Play board games with your family. I really yeah. want to get you on a motorcycle. I'm terrified yeah. of motorcycles. <laughs> Two-wheeled two things in me don't get along very well. Every major accident I've ever had, every bone I've broken except one, has been off of a two-wheeled article. Uh, not, a mo I, not even motorized, just bicycles. Just, just bicycles. I, I feel like this is a. Uh, I feel like this is uh, a Moby Dick you need to slay. Oh god. Yeah. <laughs> when the weather's a little nicer. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah, maybe I'll so, take you guys up on that offer someday. Uh, people who know what they're doing around you, to teach you, me. He's got a, uh, I don't want to offer your bike. extra scoot, but yeah. it's an extra scoot. I, I have a small CC motorcycle for learning on. It's there only 400. Go. Or is it 400 cc? Yeah, but it's only, it's only like 20 horsepower. Like yeah, it's, it's basically it's, a lawnmower. It's perfect. It's, it's just at my, just my size. Yeah. It, it'll, it'll be hilarious. Cause you're like, Oh, I dropped it. I think I fixed it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, a, a little bit but, of self care goes a long way. Oh, and self care does. is different for everyone. Yeah. As long as it doesn't. It should, it should well, be you all you well, do. I, I tell exactly you, like, what I'm talking about. for me, it wasn't going and doing something else. Yeah. I took like two months off the mental debate mm -hmm. where I just refused to engage. I refused to listen to the podcast that it, yeah. Oh, yeah, you know, I, I refused that. to like to listen to the, to the YouTube things before and against. I just pushed pause on the whole thing for a while. Just mm -hmm. rocked out. And yeah, I listened to more music. You know, like just just things like that to change the the mm -hmm. the mental the overall mental thrust I was doing. I focused more on work. It just I, I just paused that and did more other life, mm -hmm. and for a long time, because the angst was just too much. And every time I brought it back up, it just sent me back to the same place of anxiety. Yeah, yeah. And and for everyone, that time time frame is different. I mean, you talk about having to take you know two months to to kind of reset. I tend to do it in like. In a very small scale, like I'll spend an afternoon at work listening because I, I work and I can listen to stuff all the time. I'll listen to like some really heavy theological or philosophical debate and the rest of the afternoon, just tunes. Yeah. No, no think, only music. 
thinky bad, music good, and just do that for the rest of the afternoon because that way I don't get, just get just get ground down. Because even if it's stuff that I like and and find really engaging, it's, you can it's just, just heavy. You can, you can get exhausted on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so for me, a couple of resources that I would throw into the mix because I think you you had some good stuff, both of you. Like one on like, you know, Peterson's clinical psychology aspect of oh, yeah. things, like giving you another angle to think about things you've grown up with that's yeah. different than just the fundamentalist, like, yeah. you know, this is obviously true because the Bible said so. Mm. Yeah. That's a good thing. And that, for me, that was helpful. Yeah. Also, like the various things that you were doing was helpful. Um, I came across one thing to avoid, you know, or a, I'd say a podcast I would suggest avoiding was, was one called The Liturgists. Hmm. Yeah. Just too much or what? Well, I started in on it at the front end of deconstruction and found it really helpful to a degree because it like, it encouraged all the questions I was asking, which was fine. But I realized after the fact, or I realized at some point into it, there was another agenda that was being slipped in with it that was disingenuous. Hmm. It was like trading one religion for another. Hmm. Yeah. And so watch out for that. (laughs) You know, when you're, when you're in this deconstructing phase, you are susceptible to taking on another cause to taking on another God. Yep. Like that's human, it's human nature. So be careful of that. Um, so that's one to avoid. Mm -hmm. One that I would suggest it's a book called falling up by a guy named Richard Rohr. Sounds familiar. So yeah, he's a, he's a, oh, what is it? Not, see, I think he's a Benedictine monk, but a fairly, a fairly liberal progressive one Mm -hmm. who wrote this, wrote this book about processing falling down Mm -hmm. about that, that sense of loss and how through going through it and analyzing this change from rigidity to fluidity and then coming back to something that integrates both, you kind of like, when you wind up falling down, as long as you let it happen in a real honest way and give yourself grace, but also look for the best in life, you're also going to find your, you, you it, it inverts hmm. and you come to a healthy integration. Hmm. So I would suggest that book because like, to me, that was helpful coming to a place of, not just having a kickback effect to what I went through and going back to that harder mm-hmm. and not just staying in a sense of chaos. It, it gave me room and a sense of permission and a bit of an idea how to integrate, to integrate all those different things that I've been through over the course of three years into a potential future. Mm-hmm. And I found that helpful. Yeah. I imagine what I'll probably end up doing is I'll, I'll send you guys some links I can't name all the people oh, here. Me like, neither. You'd put me on the spot, yeah. Devin, and yeah. I'm like, oh, I'll show you guys some links so that when you go to post this episode <laughs> and the description of it, we can throw a few links for various content creators, books, etc. So if people yeah. want resources, yeah. you can find them there in the links down below in the doobly-doo. Doobly-doo. Yeah. On, on the element of reconstructing my faith, one podcast that I can't re- recommend highly enough as long as you're a nerd is a podcast called Amansul, where it's a... Uh, oh, I've, I've heard of that one. Yeah, it's of course. It's, of course. <laughs> I am. It's basically, yeah, it's it's a it's, it's it's a it's a guy who's a priest who just loves Tolkien like ridiculously oh, so yeah. much, 
and just goes through his writings in a way of just highlighting beauty and in in it and what orients people to good from the story Mm. and that to me that did more to rebuild my faith than any arguments or apologetics did Mm. is is actually listening to this guy talk about how Tolkien's world lit his imagination up Mm -hmm. and 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 for me like that in all honesty Probably did more for rebuilding my faith than any one other source. Tolkien and Lewis, man. Uh, Top yeah. quality stuff. I, w- I wish I could have been a fly on the wall in the pub while they hung out and talked. Oh, yeah, man, like the Inklings? Like, fuck them. Oh, that would have been great. <sighs> Frickin' A. Yeah, I'm jelly of that time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know they're going through war and shit, but I, I'm still jealous. Hey, what a what a time to be in, right? Like these intellectual giants who are like just got over World War One, are like in this realm of what's leading up to, and then living through World War Two, and then being part of like college and thought and writing stories. Like it's just this weird mix of like medieval love of medieval fantasy and the grit and reality of modernism all at one time. Like mm-hmm. it's it's ridiculous. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, it really. Oh. Anyways, uh, we're we're pushing over three hours. It's been a lot of fun. <laughs> is this ha- is this might be, a, might be a two-parter or something like that? I don't know. Nah, we l- release it in one. We'll yeah. have to, we'll just have to have a yawn again real soon. Yeah, this is this is delightful though. This does not feel like three hours. No, it no. I I had to pee. I had to like. Oh, I gotta pee like a motherfucker. <laughs> but like, like there's been a couple podcasts we've done lately where I've like started fidgeting and like looking at stuff and playing with lighters. Yeah. Have no. Oh, check this thing out. Devin just got it. Stone Cold Sober. That thing mesmerizes me. Oh, it's so cool. It's like a lava lamp, but better. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Devin, no, don't just sat let me there. look at this now. <laughs> I won't. I will sit there for a half hour and play yeah, with it. He will. It, yeah. I'm a man of simple tastes. Yeah. I told my wife, well, uh, she got it free for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> All right. On that note, God uh, bless, guys. Don't be a dick. Later. <laughs> Music has been brought to us by Kirk the Riffer Wells at Liquid State Audio. He is a guitarist, producing, and the mixing engineer. Thank you from the Blue Collar Philosophers.